Hello and welcome to the Professional Insight Podcast, Season 5, Episode 3. My name is Brandon Curry. I'm Jeff Collins. I'm Josh Bond. I'm Trevor Lindy. All right. I think we got our tech issues all sorted out. Just uh, for anyone that's trying to watch us, uh, we are definitely on Dean Blundell's YouTube channel, the Dean Blundell Network. Uh, and also, I think we figured out our YouTube channel, maybe, possibly. I don't know. It yeah. is figured out, but the, the platform we use to do the live stream is having technical difficulties right now. So we're not actually oh, connected okay, cool. to our, our professional insight YouTube channel, but it'll be uploaded later. All right. So just when you guys do, and if you're watching us live, make sure that you like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. That'd be great. Uh, and also, um, yeah, please send us all and all in any of our topics. We have an action packed episode today. We've got three guests coming on, um, which we're pretty, which we're pretty excited about. Um, a couple of them have been on the, uh, podcast before. Uh, good morning, Elaine. Thank you very much for following us. Um, and, uh, she, and taco? yeah, so, it's a taco and a uh, no, that that looks like a burrito and a coffee. Huh. Mm, I think that's what she's doing. Good start to your day. Yeah, yeah good start to the day. You I'll know, you know, me. that's pretty good. Um, so yeah. Anyway, we have a uh, action pack. <laughs> we have uh, uh, Kristen Marischeck coming on uh, first, and we're going to be talking about mental health in the workplace and the importance of mental health and uh, any crisis prevention numbers um, will be posted as well. Uh, ways to you know the we get questions all the time guys like about the the um proper pronouns in in the workplace right um you know your hr policies and and how to you know incorporate that and um you know these are you know state of the art like um situations that are going on right now so we i'm uh, lost i tell you right now i'm lost right like i mean i i i yeah I, i've got a couple of young girls that are starting to go you know get get to that point now and i'm trying to struggle to understand it myself right so it's uh, yeah i totally totally get it so uh she's up uh and then um at around 11 o'clock we're going to have the ceo of gales gas uh a uh jessica friesen who has been on our podcast before she has she's a great contributor she's done she's done some great episodes um she is a, she can get us a gas discount here or what yeah yeah exactly hot right topic, hot topic. But, um, well here's the thing so we're gonna it kind of branches nicely because Gales Gas, uh, which is a, a, a independent brand in Niagara for anyone that's like, you know, um, across across Canada. Um, we are she is a certified living wage employer and she's also the company is also a certified a rainbow employer, which is, I think, really great and, and absolutely amazing. And then at around noon, 11.45 noon, we'll have uh, Patricia Brick on to talk about uh, link, how, to, how to update your LinkedIn profile, your resume, what to look for, because she's a recruiter. So what do recruiters look for? So get your questions ready for that. And um, she, um, I, I can unequivocally tell you that she helped out my wife big time with uh, her LinkedIn and her resume. So that was really great. So uh, without any... Um, Further now, the ado, two hiring practices that you had mentioned um, will um, will those be uh, defined for our listeners? Hiring practices, the rainbow. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, the rainbow is LBGTQ two S plus, right? Employer yeah. certified, and then the living wage. So absolutely. Uh, 
But without any further ado, let's welcome our first guest to the podcast. First time, first time contributor. Um, so, uh, Chris, if, yep, there she is. Oh, hey, Kristen, how's it going? Hi, good, how are you? <laughs> Thanks welcome, for having thank me you. on. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. Uh, so, for our um, watchers and listeners out there, um, you want to tell us a bit about yourself and what you do um, for full-time yeah. and all that, please. Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh gosh, now it's just me. I'm talking to myself. Um, <laughs> We're all here. <laughs> very distracting. Okay. Um, so, uh, I my name is Kristen Marischuk. I am a registered social worker. Um, and I've been in the social work field since, um, my undergrad, which was in, uh, 2005, um, always had an interest in helping people. Um, didn't think I had enough smarts to become a psychologist or a psychiatrist. So, um, I'm very happy to be doing what I'm doing as a social worker. Um, later on in life, I completed my master's of social work, um, which allows me to um, uh, practice uh, individual counseling. Um, and so that's what I'm doing now. And that's uh, definitely uh, one of my passions um, in using the uh, master's degree. Um, and in, so I have kind of like a private practice um, on the side, so evenings and weekends. Um, but my full-time job, I am a registered social worker and I act as one um, at Trillium Health Partners <clears throat> uh, based in Mississauga, Ontario. And so um, my role there is quite unique. Um, I'm very proud to have this role and I think a lot of uh, workplaces uh, would probably benefit from something like this. But um, I'm on the wellness team and our main purpose is to support staff. Um, so in my role as a, as a registered social worker, I do offer one-on-one um, -on -one counseling and support um, mixed in with some uh, psycho, psycho education pieces um, to help staff kind of understand their emotions, um, kind of process um, different elements of burnout and stress and that sort of thing. Um, and of course, it's with healthcare workers, so that's really prevalent. Um, and then, um, and then doing kind of, uh, uh, facilitating critical debriefing. So helping, um, staff kind of, um, uh, work through the emotional impacts of things that are traumatic that they experience, that they witness. Um, yeah, so that's what I do, um, full time and then the private practice on the side. Wow. Okay. And, um, I know that's you... busy. That's busy. <laughs> Now yeah. you, you, you really, um, uh, now talked about the whole wellness team and, and, and really catering to staff. Um, you want to maybe expand on that? Like how, how recent is the wellness team or division at, um, Trillium health and what was the precedence like to, to, to start this team? Like what, obviously that's healthcare for anyone that's across the country where, you know, Trillium health hospitals. is three hospitals, right. In downtown Toronto, some of the largest hospitals in Canada, some of the top surgeons in Canada. Um, and, uh, obviously pandemic, but what was the, why did they start the wellness team? What was the, what was the reasoning for it? So, I mean, the wellness team was certainly there much before, um, uh, before I, I had, um, I've been with the organization for about a year and a half. So, 
Um, it's been there for, for longer than that and um, to promote health and wellness in the workplace. So it fits under the, uh, the umbrella of say like occupational health. Um, so where we have um, a team of people um, helping staff with physical health and limitations around that and, you know, returning them to work and integrating them back into the workforce um, or into the workplace, um, they have this component, very small one, but proud um, of, of wellness and recognizing that um, staff are not only dealing with their physical health, we really need to honor staff because they're bringing their whole self. So honoring their whole self and that sometimes people are struggling, um, struggling with mental health. And so that could be as a result of um, the, the work that they experience. So just kind of like that chronic stress and high levels of, of um, stress and anxiety during work, or it could be related to something else, but really trying to honor that um, and um, in some ways it can be, it can, you know, my role um, in the wellness team can be a preventative measure as well. So if staff are recognizing that they're struggling as opposed to working until they need to kind of, you know, they're completely burnt out and they're off of work, perhaps the role of the wellness team can also help in that preventative way so that it doesn't come to that point when then we have a staff member who's off. Um, so yeah, so it's been around, um, the wellness team has been around for a few years um, before me, but um, just really recognizing that staff, uh, that healthcare workers um, definitely need um, more support in that area. And of course, there's things like um, our organization has an EFAP program. Um, they also have, <clears throat> uh, which is free. So it's a outside paid resource that um, Trillium pays for to kind of like help staff um, and their family members with different things. So we do have that, but oftentimes if there is, um, if there is, uh, you know, there's barriers to that. You have to find the phone number. You have to figure out who to call. Like, what does this look like? Like, what does this, what does the support look like? And that goes the same with benefits as well. So full-time employees would have benefits um, through actually through Sun Life. So woo, Sun Life. But, Yay! Um, yeah, yeah. But, um, but the, the issue is too, is that oftentimes, um, especially in the healthcare field, um, when nurses have a day off and you know that what i hear from them is that they literally need to sit and not do anything like to sometimes when they're in a spot where they're really struggling they can't physically function sometimes they binge they watch TV, they're sitting they need rest and so picking up a phone trying to find a provider figuring out how much um you know, how much money they have for a particular, like, so for counseling, let's say, um, it's just exhausting. So it's nice to have something that's in house. Um, and I offer zoom appointments, uh, like phone, you know, whatever on site, you know, during their work hours, maybe they want to pop up and uh, meet with me during a break or during lunch. So yeah. Now, Kristen, does, does this make it more of a need because inflation is just killing everybody right now with price? So their stress level goes way up with the gas prices every time people are looking at it, the grocery prices and all that. Like, I think everyone's really starting to feel the crunch right now. So I guess your need would be much more extreme at this time where it's starting to ramp up at very least, I'd imagine. Yeah, right? yeah. it's just it's the <clears throat> it's the domino effect of all of these different factors so especially for healthcare they're you know living within a um uh they're living within a pandemic they're working so they're 
they're working and then they're coming home to all of these things. And then, you know, the inflation and the price of gas and groceries, and it's just, it's stressful. It's stressful. Mm. People like, especially in healthcare, they don't feel like they have a break from anything or that anything kind of comes easy. Um, so yeah, so definitely, um, definitely some stress related to that. Yeah, I think you're going to get crazy busy real soon because you can you can see it. Like every time you go to fill up right now, it's like, oh, you know, and crazy. groceries right now and and everything. And then vacation, people don't want They want to go on vacation, but can they afford to go right now? Right. So it's. Ugh. Yeah, absolutely. Here, <clears throat> here's a loaded question for you. Uh, what Kristen, was that? A little bit um, from from an employer's perspective, how you know, mental health is difficult to assess uh, a lot of times. Um, it's not that empirical as um, a lot of other ailments. Um, how, how do we limit abuse? Um, limit abuse in what way? Abuse of um, employees. Um, um, Being overworked? Fault falsifying uh, <clears throat> a, a, a mental health. Oh, okay. So in terms of, yeah. So just, you know, using that as maybe an excuse, like not to come in or something like that. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's really hard. Um, uh, that's really hard. And certainly um, I'm not in a place to, to assess that. So the thing about, um, about even being a social worker in general or counselor is that, um, we have to take things at face value. And so we have to, um, we have to believe what we're being told. Um, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> part of that is tricky. And, um, I've actually found myself, um, uh, trying to navigate that um, in previous roles um, in my in the field of social work roles that I've had before, I've always had to establish kind of whether or not somebody's telling me the truth or not. That was a big part of my role mm -hmm. um, as a practicing social registered social worker. That's really not part of my role at all. Um, okay. It's more around starting where the client's at. And so if they're at a point where, you know, say they are, you know, not telling the truth. And of course there's always two sides to a story, that sort of thing. Um, for me, it's unhelpful to figure out if they're telling me the truth because then we can't kind of move forward. So it's about, I think, <clears throat> uh, having deeper conversations and then kind of, um, and then, you know, having the, having the client or, uh, the employee or whoever that is kind of figure out why, you know, if they are being misleading with information, why that would be, but. Um, that makes perfect but, sense, right? Cause you're more focused on like, you know, getting a result, i.e. getting the individual better. Right. Yeah. 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 And so, so yeah, so it's, a, it's a bit challenging. I know there are some, um, you know, uh, for, the other people in occupational health, like they have their own kind of like, you know, if you're off for a certain amount of time, we need to see, you know, a doctor's note, we need to kind mm -hmm. of verify that this is, oh, you know, that this is a sanctioned time off type of a thing. Um, but my role is really to support them. Um, yeah, to support them and not kind of be super tough because you, you probably know some of the times they're probably lying and you just gotta, you gotta go with it, right? 
because it's just a way worse thing to cross if if you're accusing them and you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And sometimes it's, you know, like what they're going through, you know, I, I handle like we all handle things very differently. And so yeah. we all have different thresholds of, you know, how much stress we can uh, handle, um, how long we can work at a at a stage of burnout, um, like all of those sorts of things. So um, but actually, I'm really um, I'm really pleased with a few um, like I've had a few one on one sessions recently with very young kind of like um, new staff members who are kind of seeking out more in a preventative way. And I think that's so unique. Um, and nice. so like, so nice. great to do the yes. work now. Absolutely. And then have longevity in your career, you know? Yeah, yeah. no, that's, uh, <laughs> that's perfect. I mean, I, I just, I, I, I think it's low, but I'd be curious, uh, you know, the percentage of abuse that happens versus, uh, I mean, I would, I, I, I would guess that it's sub 5%. I think I, a good thing yeah, to focus it, on though is, is people trying to be, you know, proactive and, and, and jump on it head on because I think burnout's a pretty big thing, especially in my business right now, there's quite a bit of burnout going on. It's just relentless. It's nonstop, you know, it just keep going and going and going. If you can recognize that and reach out to someone like yourself and, and kind of, um, well, you know, massage it down a little bit you might be able to stop yourself from having a breakdown and stuff i say i i so the thing that i i think well one thing i want to tell everyone that is what that are watching on youtube or on uh facebook too that at the bottom of our screen are some key phone numbers that Kristen wanted to be posted throughout just in case anyone is having a mental health episode or crisis or you know questions or or whatever um so um these some are um, national numbers, some are local numbers in Ontario, but just please feel free to reach out. Or if we're, um, if you're watching us right now and you just want some, please reach out into our chat. Uh, we have no problem. This is the whole point of, of, of having Kristen on. And I think with regards to the, someone like someone like myself, our firm is uh, a broker for group benefits. So we, we, we come across this quite quite often. And the one thing that I've seen a big increase is, uh, in, is a, uh, in the, an increase in paramedical services. So paramedical services are your chiros, your physios, your massage therapists, but uh, included in that are coverage is coverage for, uh, registered social workers and, uh, psychotherapists and psychologists, etc. And also a huge increase we've found, um, with EAP programs, which is employee assistance programs, right down to you, you have a toll free number to call, it doesn't cost you anything, you get a couple free, uh, and to talk things through. And I think as an employer, that would be the uh, good morning, Melissa. Um, and that would be the key, I think that we always advise uh, em employers to say, listen, you, to, to what Kristen's saying, like you can't, and what we're saying is you can't really question anybody. But um, definitely give them the resources to, to go and seek help. I don't know, Kristen, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's just about making it as accessible as possible and, you know, giving resources. Like, uh, I think the accessibility, um, in my particular, um, with my particular organization is really important. So, yeah, there's a lot of, and we're also, I mean, our, the, the wellness team is also just thinking about preventative, uh, preventative measures and, um, really kind of like destigmatizing mental health, like our, um, our, 
wellness team is also um, uh, is also um, uh, kind of funding or THP is funding um, mental health first aid training for staff. Um, and that's also that's kind of um, training geared toward having conversations about mental health or if you notice your colleague is struggling, how to approach them, if you should approach them, you know, things like that to really kind of um, uh, really kind of help employees have a lot of tools um, to be able to have conversations. And I think it's also important as well. Um, with many people uh, still working from home or some people kind of shifting into that tr into the transition of, uh, you know, work from home, but on site, you know, so it's how to navigate these conversations about mental health um, to really support each other. I think we've also seen during the pandemic that I had one um, the, uh, familiar to the podcast. Um, I I mean, I won't, I won't mention the names or anything, but, she, you know, she's a, she's a, uh, a significant employer runs a significant sizable team. And, um, she may, she mentions to me, you know, several months ago in the middle of the pandemic that there's some roles that she will be considering to keep at home, um, uh, permanently because the employees were actually more, um, productive, more productive because these people are introverts and they just, you know, being around people really kind of just sucked the energy out of them and they just didn't do all went ironically when the pandemic happened, um, they were actually more productive. So I guess rethinking the way, you know, the Monday to Friday, nine to five, it just that won't exist anymore. So if someone's more productive between the hours of, you know, 5 p.m. and you know, 11 PM. I, I don't know. I'm just making something up because there are, they're an evening person as opposed to a morning person. As long as they get the job done, I, I, you know, like, and we could probably talk to a couple of our guests later on, um, you know, specifically Patricia on, on that and, and maybe looking at how employers are evolving. That'd be kind of cool. But Kristen, what are your thoughts on, on that? Uh, and what has THP done in that, in that perspective? Oh yeah. Like in terms of like the work from home model, I think, I think um, everybody's kind of shifting and trying to, so from a wellness perspective, um, I think some of our requests from managers who uh, manage a team who all work remotely is um, how do we, how do we stay connected with each other? How do we um, stay engaged? How do we work as a team, but when we don't actually see each other? And so what are some strategies um, and wellness resources can, you know, can we provide? Um, and so there's a lot of, um, so there's a lot of um, talk amongst our small team about how to promote kind of that connection still with, with, uh, with team members, even though, um, you know, there's, there's remote work happening. Um, so it's, I think that we're at this, the beginning of something that, <clears throat> We have some answers too, like we have some suggestions and some things that might work for one team, um, but it's really um, it's really at the beginning stages of trying to figure that out. So that's that's from a like from the wellness perspective. That's what kind of we're hearing um, and what we're trying to um, what we're trying to provide people. So um, I know one team was really interested in having like uh, monthly wellness sessions. So. Um, many people who work from home, their, you know, their routine is kind of, I mean, 
I mean, well, since COVID, they've been working from home. So, um, but but their routine has really changed as opposed to when they were working on site. In meaning, um, they don't pack a lunch anymore. They don't, um, you know, they have different sleeping patterns. They uh, might not, you know, uh, be fully dressed. They might, you know, like there's all of these sorts of things. So it's messing with people's routines a bit. And so from a wellness perspective, like, you know, is there any, um, if this isn't working for people, like what can we do to um, support that? Right. So talking about like establishing, you know, um, establishing a routine, the importance of that, um, the importance of nutrition at home and what does that look like? Right. Um, Because when we have access to our full fridge and pantry and all of that sort of thing. So people are just noticing, um, you know, even changes that way. So, um, yeah, so um, we're, we're working and we're strategizing with different teams, depending on what their needs are. Um, uh, but yeah, so um, we're, we're hosting kind of different um, themed wellness sessions um, and also trying to kind of um, see if we can mainstream some of these things to offer it to, to um, a lot of the work from home teams. Now, Kristen, we have a couple of comments in uh, that are coming in live, so I want to kind of get a couple of them. Yeah. Um, so uh, Melissa basically said, um, you know, uh, including a time code or or some sort of code so people can take time from work in case they can't talk at home for whatever reason. Um, I think that's a really good suggestion, just like mm-hmm. incorporating uh, different ways that they can communicate with their employer. Um, there is a, a good question that just came in from, uh, Facebook, uh, if, if I can, um, here it is right there. I live with a loved one who suffers with mental health. What do you suggest or ways I can be supportive to them when they are having a breakdown or episode? Oh yeah, that's, that's really, yeah. Thank you for the question. Um, and that's, yeah, it can be really, um, that can be really challenging, especially when you see kind of, um, when you see that loved one kind of shift in their mood. Um, and I don't know if this is a pattern where um, this is something that regularly occurs, um, but certainly it sounds like you're seeing a shift um, that's not, you know, that's kind of stepping away from who that person usually is. Um, and the struggle is, is that, and even for me as a social worker, the struggle that I have sometimes is that I want to fix the situation. I want to, um, you know, say the perfect thing that will, you know, get that person, um, up and, you know, feeling great and all of that sort of thing. And I think a lot of us feel that way. I think, especially when it comes to, um, somebody that you love, um, that you live with, that's a family member, um, a close friend is that you just have that inherent kind of want to fix things. Um, and the thing is, is that we can't, we can't fix things. That person, um, it comes from that person. Um, and so in saying that, um, it's best to, you know, be, um, as supportive as possible. And I'm not sure what that looks like for, um, your loved one, but, um, you know, uh, maybe that is, um, you know, uh, doing practical things around the house so that that person doesn't have to worry about that. Um, maybe having a proactive conversation or bringing up, how are you feeling? Like, is there anything that I can do for you? Um, uh, you know, kind of initiating conversations because sometimes um, it's hard 
you know, from what I hear, it can be hard for people to um, ask for help when they're feeling really low and really down. And oftentimes, especially with those people who struggle with um, depression specifically, they feel they often feel that they can be a burden. And so um, they won't initiate and ask for help. They don't want to bother anybody. And so they'll kind of quietly, you know, work through those um, through those um, times of sadness. So initiating conversation, how are you doing? Um, you know, offering um, if they're able-bodied, you know, to go out for walks or, you know, a drive or something like that, just to get them out of the house. Um, but yeah, it really depends on on what support looks like for that person, right? Um, um, but I acknowledge that it can be extremely hard um, when you want them to be better um, and you don't want to see them suffering, Um to, to have a solution, but, um, you know, definitely, um, an offering kind of, you know, support in terms of, uh, you know, if they want to engage in counseling or if they want to have a conversation with their family doctor, I mean, you know, even, um, booking an appointment for them, that sort of thing can, um, can take a load off. Um, I hope it that helps answers them question. in the right direction, right? Yeah. And just yeah. really, I guess, studying what, um, what they, um, what they have access to, right? I mean, removing, I guess, removing barriers and, and is what you're kind of yeah. saying there, Kristen, right? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. What are I your- I have um, question, actually. <clears throat> oh, I've go. Seen, I've seen the number, the number at the bottom of the screen a couple of times now, I think it was Pathstone for children. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any suggestions or anything for kids, especially like tweeners or, you know, kids who are about to become teenage with all the cyberbullying going on and- body shaming and stuff like that that happens at their age like i think children's um depression or mental health is is a huge topic right now especially you know with everybody not being able to see each other for the last two years there's been a lot of cyber bullying out there and you know i'm trying my best to navigate my son by supporting him and he's now on twitter all the time and there's some nasty stuff that can be said out there and i don't know do you have any tips for that because i think that's something prevalent in today's uh, society yeah that's a that's a really good question and yeah we're we're not there yet but not in ugh, like just anticipating those moments when they become on like when our kids become online and you know it's interesting all it's really interesting oh, it's it, it's complicated <laughs> It's a yeah, whole it's new world. <laughs> well, there's, yeah, there's, whole new world. There's, there's, there's text messaging, there's Twitter, there's, you know, TikTok. Like TikTok, if you don't have a good video out there, you know, like they all talk on there. And the weird part I find now, when they get in person with each other, they're uncomfortable. But when they're online behind their phone, you know, they talk a tough game. You know, there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there, too. So it's it's something I'm trying to learn to navigate with my son. And my youngest one's not there yet, but my 12-year-old's all over you know stuff online cyber stuff so i have Keep to off as long as you can i i can't even fathom what that's like <laughs> Jeff, to be honest. as long as you I mean, can my i got it you know we got six six and four year olds and um um and yeah so i guess you know i can't i mean i'm i'm personally not on any social media except for linkedin um uh, well, well, hey, like if we can go back to rookie, if we can go back to all of us uh, for a second there, um, just like for full disclosure uh, for our listeners, Kristen and I are, are married. So just, just, you know, in case anyone's curious. So uh, we do have a six and a four year old. 
uh, Kristen and I are, are um, both off of social media, except for LinkedIn. Uh, we have a private Instagram account, but yeah. you'll never get accepted if we don't know you. So, um, and that yeah. is purely because, yeah, that is purely because um, Check. <laughs> we had to, we, we just did it for our own mental health. I mean, Jeff, just to, to purely be honest with you, I mean, there's business. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked at it from an ROI perspective, from a business perspective. I'm like, really, am I getting much penetration out on the, you know, the, the social media and are people really coming to me um, for business purposes, excluding LinkedIn? I understand that context, but others and and then Jeff, you're spot on. Like you are hundred percent correct. Like here are these, uh, tweeners going through puberty, going through all the insecurities of life and they're getting bombarded from all these different ways of communicating, which none of us had when we were younger and we never had any of that. So, um, like bond. But, right. And, uh, and here's the thing too. I mean, like, yeah, no, I, I completely understand where you're coming. It, it, it's I'm dreading uh, taking our six year old and four year old. Through I that. think, um, I think that this is where the relationship with your kids come in too. Like it really needs to kind of like, you know, like grip, like grip together, I guess, kind of with, with, um, with your kids when they're going through this. Um, cause my suggestion, just going back to the original question, my suggestion would be, and I mean, it's impossible, like, you know, to say, you know, you can't go on any of these things because that's just the way of the world now. And so that kind of sets sets up for failure. But I think to to again, like be proactive in initiating conversations about, hey, like who is online today? Who did you talk to? Um, how did the oh, like you know, like just asking, like being a little bit of like a therapist yourself, like asking them questions, making them kind of. Um, making them think a little bit about their situations with their friendships. You know, it might, you know, they might say, Oh, a friend, you know, said that I was, uh, I don't know. A friend said that I, you know, had bad acne or my face looked bad today. I don't know. Something like something really kind of, uh, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> I'll give you an example for my son, how, how boys can be really nasty and all that. <clears throat> my, my, my son's friend said that he looked like he had a Hitler haircut. So it was bugging him quite a bit, right? And I had to talk to him about boys ball busting and all that at his age, but it was something he was pretty sensitive about, right? So, and, and you know, boys can be relentless in person, never mind when they're cyberbullying, so it gets even worse. Did he have a Hitler dude? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> really? Was, I had to ask. It was really interesting, right? Well, I don't know. How do you say you have a Hitler well, He's got thick I mean, hair, right? So I mean, yeah. The key, the key is keep trying to, uh, you know, be, play defense against your kids with the social media piece, and and um, you know, I'm well, surprised that there isn't a social media piece where the parents can kind of, um, <laughs> um, if you um, turn around and can't monitor the accounts, right? You know, and, well, and I watch the accounts, and and the big thing he's really into right now, which I find interesting, is Twitter. And I like Twitter. I'm a, I'm a social media junkie. Okay. So I'm like a lot of other people out there and I can see quitting social media to be better for your mental health because, you know, I find going on Facebook sometimes stressful, right? So yeah, you know, it's an interesting portrayal because most people put their best foot forward on, on Facebook. So it's not necessarily the true reality in life, right? You know, they're, it's, it's kind of it's all fake. Yeah. And you know, there's honest people out there. But on Twitter, I find 
the reason I like Twitter, it's it's the flavor of the moment. The biggest thing going on in the world is instant, instant information, right? And so about a week and a half ago, Supreme Court in the States had a, a big uh, uh, mention about abortion. Yep. And it was all over Twitter. Yep. And so my son had a ton of questions about that, which was very interesting about it. You know, it, it had to do more with women's rights and all that. I'm not really going to get into that or anything like that because that's just a whole powder keg. But <clears throat> we, we had a long discussion that night about it and, and you know, we were talking about it. But it's a well, lot good for of- you for actually having that conversation and really taking it because a lot of parents probably wouldn't because Roe v. Wade is a very complex and it's in it's happening in another country and it's inf- influencing Canada. And uh, so bravo for to but, you for well, actually if, trying to if tackle he brings that. it up i like to talk to him about it that's just the way it is i don't want to hide from it i want to bring it up and and i'll tell him my opinion i'm a pretty opinionated guy and all that and no you know, you're not well it's, it's interesting like it's very interesting though from a kid's point of view when you mention abortion and they're like why would you you know and you have to bring up the the other side of the coin for it and all that right and, and women's sure. rights is you know a very powerful thing and it was a very interesting conversation. And then my 10 year old got involved with it too. So it's, it, it's interesting because there's stuff out there that they start to learn about that, that, you know, even the Elon Musk acquisition of, of Twitter, like he was tons of questions about it. Like we've had like hour long questions about very, um, political things. Well, going Jeff, on. that just goes to show you, you kind of raise your kids right in the sense that they're, they feel comfortable coming to you. And they just really having that. But, but am I making right? a snake letting my son be on Twitter? Like it was his own interest. He, he that's subjective at all. Right. So that's, that's the thing as a parent, you got to navigate all these new landmines that are out there, you know, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you know, and, and right. you have a reason you got to be 13 to get on a lot of these things or even older. It was like that comment that came in from Elaine, right? Or saying yeah. my youngest daughter is now 19, level one uh, on the autism spectrum, chooses yep. not to, you know, to do social media, right? So, you know, potentially just letting your kids make that, you know, educating them, but then let the kid make the decision for themselves, yeah. right? Whether yeah, or not so, you know, and, and I mean, and Kristen, I mean, like just, you know, uh, to kind of maybe lighten it up a bit you know like you you live with me so you have constantly you gotta you know navigate don't you don't you huh? like you just Na- gotta navigate what like, yeah we well, feel just so my sorry health. for you we feel yeah, right so like sorry you, you you like you kind of like i can you, hear the <laughs> honestly like <laughs> i can hear him up here i'm on a different floor i can hear him perfectly <laughs> you know it's it's great oh, right i mean like but you just i want i want i did want to say um and uh Second, what you had said, Brandon, about Jeff, the fact that your your child is coming to you and saying things like saying things that happen to him or that people say to him um, is that's it's it's like a gift. It's a gift that he's coming to you with that, because then you can take that and you can steer the ship. Right. Like you can help him. And it may seem so as an adult, a lot of these things just seem so trivial because, you know, we've learned and we know how to handle things and all of that sort of stuff, but he's coming to you for a reason. And, and, you know, maybe that's like an opportunity to, you know, to talk about, you know, self-confidence and to talk about, you know, like other things. How did that, like, how did that make you feel? How did you respond? Would you respond differently? Like, I don't know, like things like that, but it's so amazing that he's coming to you because I think the thing about social media is that it's so, um, it's so isolating. Like it's supposed to, 
it's supposed to bring people together and have that like sense of connectivity. But I also think it's something that you just do in your room privately, or you're like, you know, you're, you know, you're not engaging with, you know, you're not with people. And so it can be, and, you know, it's hard to monitor all of these accounts, like, you know, uh, like Instagram and Twitter, or, you know, whatever, Facebook, like all of those sorts TikTok. of things as a parent. So. Yeah. Kristen, That's I have good. a question for you. Yeah. I, I really like the preventative um, nature of uh, the employees um, being aware of their mental health. Um, I, I, you know, I, not something that I really directed my mind to, but I, I do, I do like that aspect of it. Um, how much of things, you know, stress, uh, things that transpire in the workplace that you deal with, do you think can be resolved by maybe shortening uh, an individual's work week? I mean, I just see it with the dual income households and the quick pace of the world. Um, I, yeah. You know. yeah, so that's actually interesting. Um, often with um, within the healthcare, like with, with healthcare workers, there is talk about, um, you know, cause they work like they're 12, hour, they worked mostly 12 hour shifts. They work in clusters. So they'll work say like, you know, four, you know, 12 hour shifts or three to 12 hour shifts in a row and then have some time off and that sort of thing. So it's, I think it's, it, it seems like it's always been, um, it's, it's a discussion, um, uh, or thought within the organization. I, I don't know. I'm not privy to those conversations, but I know just feedback from employees that, you know, um, shortening shifts or um, uh, being able to uh, pick the type of shift that you like. Um, it came up in a conversation last week around um, somebody really enjoyed um, working night shift. They loved it. That was their jam. Um, they felt refreshed. They felt better. They they had a good groove. They had a good crew on night shift. Like it was just, um, they really enjoyed it. Another guy actually really enjoyed the night shift because, um, it worked out for his family. So he would work night shift his, um, he had young, he has young children. And so he would work night shift in the ICU and then his wife would go to, um, work during the day. And then he would watch their children during the day. Like he, there was like a, you know, say like a three hour, you know, something like that, but he was able to manage it that way. And so I think the conversation is more around how can we juggle shifts? Like how is there room within the structure that we can figure out like a, you know, um, uh, timing that works for us. And that looks so different for everybody. And I don't know about, you know, in healthcare, I think it might look a lot differently than the typical, like say nine to five office job, um, you know, that sort of thing, but it's a 24 hour beast. And so um, it's set up like this for a reason. And I don't know if, uh, I mean, you know, there's also staff, there's also nursing shortages and that sort of thing. So I just don't know if any if any change will happen right now, but it's definitely something that's been talked about in terms of like maneuvering shifts around, maybe having longer stints of time off in between those like huge clusters where you're working the twelve hour shifts or whatever. But it, we just you know we, we 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 try to jam so much into our busy lives as it is, right? I mean, uh, you know, can we not hire more? Can we not you know? breed more healthcare professionals. Um, 
and, and maybe create a little bit of a reprieve for the existing ones. And I mean, I know it's, uh, you know, we don't snap our fingers in that solution, but I, again, I don't know. I'm not a, a healthcare person. My wife's a pharmacist, but so I get it a little bit indirectly. Uh, I hate to cut this short because we're actually doing quite well, but I know Kristen has a, an 11 o'clock that you have to hop on to, correct? Yes. Um, so we'll just, I know Trevi had one yeah, final got, question. Yeah. Got a quick yeah. question on a lighter mood of things. Kristen, lighter can mood. you help diagnose as to why Curry and Collins have an obsession with wanting to go to the bathroom in my RV? Because <laughs> it just makes common sense. Oh my God. You know that we answer. Brandon and I talked about, I weighed in on this. <laughs> she wants to do it too. She wants to do it too. She did join the party. <laughs> I said, what was my, um, uh, oh, okay. So my, I agreed with, Brandon gave me the, I think I, I listened to it too. And I agree okay. with uh, Dean. I think it was like, yep. yes. Um, where he said, family, didn't he say like f f close family friends, but like basically you know, along the lines of your RV, you do it. Everybody else can go to the public facilities. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Too she funny. didn't understand my, she didn't understand Jeff and I's per predicament, but that's okay. You're it's okay. Yeah. Me, yeah. It's yeah. Okay. That's not our predicament. It's our mission. <laughs> you should qualify. <laughs> and, and that's what I'm trying to get to the bottom of. That's uh, the one I'm trying to get the bottom of. This what is going to be it for for the your obsession. For <laughs> listeners who just don't uh, who don't know, download previous episodes, watch previous episodes. But definitely in season one episode, uh, sorry, season five, episode one, Dean was on. Watch that episode; it's great, it's hilarious. But uh, will, Kristen, thank happen. you, um, thank you so much for coming on. Yes. We yeah, really no appreciate problem. it. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to probably have nice you on again because uh, it seems like there was a lot of interaction uh, on the side. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Melissa. Yeah, look at Melissa. Melissa's, yeah. lo <laughs> Melissa's loving it. Absolutely. She gets it. She She's absolutely on board. Gets it. She can meet She's us on there. board. She supports uh, Team Collins Curry. Good. Right, big job thanks, trying to keep uh, Curry in line. Uh, Full-time job. Thanks. Bye, <laughs> everybody. Thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Think, uh, yeah, he wants, a lovely wife, whoever so. wants us to do it, that's why he keeps bringing it up. Yeah, I almost forgot easy. about it. Like, he wants he... our smell in there. <laughs> no, nope. you got it not at all. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to so, get to the uh, bottom of this, I need to know why. Yes. What's the obsession? So, up next, uh, uh, gents, is the CEO, uh, Jessica Friesen of Gales Gas Company. <laughs> Um, who is a certified minimum uh, living minimum wage employer? Um, and uh, all right, so we, I think she's just uh, <laughs> she's, she's getting on now. Well, she's getting on now. We are to, to be to be fair, we're seven minutes before her time, so we can talk about um, the lease for seven minutes. I really don't want to talk about the lease for seven minutes. I'm just I'm mentally exhausted. Like, okay, no, Rook wants us to talk about the lease for seven minutes. Okay, we'll talk about the lease. Okay, fine. I'm not exhausted about it at all. I'm telling you, right I'm exhausted now. about it. I was Saturday exhausted before we got to overtime. Is an exorcism. And we all knew yesterday that it was going game seven. There's no way you thought any other way other than game seven. It had now, to go Melissa, to be okay. So, Melissa just came up with a, a great question just to, to piggyback on the serious stuff. Um, what is a certified minimum wage, or it's actually minimum living wage, living yeah. wage employer? Yeah. And what it is is the net in, in Niagara, where we are, the Niagara Workforce Planning Board. Um, is basically assesses the region 
and states what it what it costs to for someone to have a living wage. Um, so basically, I think in Niagara right now it's eighteen dollars and twenty cents an hour is what they deem is someone needs to make per hour uh, at full time wages in order to you know rent heat hydro water you know transportation that survive kind of thing. survive yep. food, food on um, the table reasonable enjoyment in life and so if you as an employer in Niagara um, turn around and uh, basically promise that every single person in your organization will get paid a minimum of the living minimum wage, then that's when you turn around and you be, you get a, you become a certified uh, living uh, wage employer. That's what that now is. The and then, is, do you think $24 an hour is a living wage? At, <clears throat> well, $24 an hour at 40 hours a week is 48 grand a year, right? Yeah. So, so let, that's let's tight. It. It's still tight. That's high. For those listening or watching, there is a website, ontariolivingwage.ca. You can go there, look at what the living wage is, select by region, and it breaks down. Some, you know, total transparency, they haven't been updated in forever, but well, looking at yeah. November 2021 statistics, just to name a few, uh, Guelph-Wellington region, 1810 per hour, uh, Kingston, 1775, London, Middlesex, uh, 1655. Muskoka's 1855. Niagara region, 1890. And the list goes on. That's what they're calling um, the living wage. That's yeah. what, yeah, it's living Ontario living wage.ca Toronto, uh, 2280 per hour as of November, 2021. All right. Um, I well, think Jessica's a uh, Windsor, uh, Trav, what's Windsor? Elaine wants to know. Uh, Windsor, Windsor, Windsor. Sorry. It's not alphabetical. Um, oh. uh, so about the Leafs, they better <laughs> kick ass game seven, game seven tomorrow night. Hockey night in Canada. We gotta have we gotta have the advantage. Trav's looking that up. I mean, yeah, I, just, I, oops. I, I don't. I don't. I've been a Leaf fan for a long time, and I my nerves can't take it anymore. So no, <laughs> I'm not nervous at all, though. That's the weird thing. I'm, I'm not nervous. nervous. I'm stressed. <laughs> Are we going live stressed. for Game Seven? Rick wants to know. I don't know. I don't know if my heart can do that. Have you seen Steve Dangle? He shows he's watching. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't watched. He went 141 heartbeats, beats per minute. Well, not drinking, not nothing, just watching. That's what I was like yesterday. Go ahead, Trev. So it says uh, it's Chatham Kent. uh, Yep, that's it. And it has not been updated since November 2018. And at that point, it was 1633. Oh no, that's way no, that's way off. You're you guys again November 2018, right? So like great great Windsor's had some good news as of hasn't been updated. So Uh, Prescott Russell hasn't been updated. There's lots that haven't been updated. So gents, uh, Jessica is here. She's she's uh, logged on. She's ready to go. Hey Jessica. Hey Jess. How are you? Can you hear us? I'm good. Yeah, I can hear you. You can hear me. Oh yeah, perfect. Um, awesome. Nice to see you all. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining thanks us well. on on the podcast. So uh, for our listeners and watchers, people who are watching us live, uh, Jessica uh, Friesen is the CEO of Gales Gas Company, correct? Um, and uh, we just uh, defined what a living uh, certified living wage employer is, and it's obviously a certified rainbow 
employer, correct, is what your corporation is as well, and that is for the LBGTQ2S plus, correct? That's correct. Yeah, we're a living wage champion, and we are uh, at least uh, to the last time I checked, which was probably a month ago, um, we were the only petroleum company in Ontario that was certified living wage, and we are the first uh, petroleum company in Canada that was uh, able to obtain the rainbow register. Cool. So, would um, if you want to walk us through your, I mean, some some people have not to these are they're brand new to the podcast, so they might not go all the way back to season one and season two when we had you on. Um, so, I would just you know walk through your history because you're you're you didn't start out in the petroleum area. Um, no. No. So. Um, so, so my company, uh, I'm the third generation owner operator of my company. Um, can you hear me okay? It sounds no, a bit it is a little hard to hear. Okay. Um, we'll try. Nip oh, it's in it's the okay. Bud. Yeah. Usually, I, I had to play with my settings there uh, to Jess. Yeah. yeah. Try try that gear icon on the screen that you have there at the bottom of the the picture window. Yeah. It is this any ah, oh, you're getting there. Ah. Very, okay, very. great. Awesome. There you go. Um, nice. Yeah. So I'm the third generation owner operator of Gales Gas Bars and Gales Fuels. Um, and my company has been around since 1967. My grandfather started it. Um, and uh, we are one of the last independently, truly independent independently owned petroleum organizations in uh, in Canada. Not the only one, but, but there's not many of us left. Um, myself, I uh, worked in the company since I was a child, obviously, uh, you know, most family companies um, are, are, like, are that way. Um, but after high school, I went and uh, uh, obtained my registered nurses uh, designation, um, which I still proudly hold. Um, I worked in healthcare for a number of years um, before uh, I entered back into the company, um, which was just a really convoluted um, uh, thing. Uh, I had suffered from postpartum depression after the birth of my, my first child, my son. And um, when I uh, became pregnant with my second child, uh, I said to uh, my parents and, and my husband, you know, if you see kind of these triggers, then, uh, you know, get me out of the house, get, get intervene, basically. And uh, my father took, uh, took the bull by the horns with that and, and said, well, I hear you want to get out of the house. And, and he offered me uh, to come in and um, just get out of the, like, like he said, get out of the house a couple times a, a week and, and start up his new convenience store uh, division. And I just <laughs> never, never looked back. I never went back to healthcare. I loved, uh, I kind of got the bug, the business bug, I guess. And um, I, that was in 2009. And uh, I came in uh, and became owner, the new owner operator in 2014. So for eight years now, I've been uh, leading the helm. Awesome. Good for you. And nice. I think that's really great. Hey, hey, you got our mug. Nice. 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 That, eh? <laughs> good. That was good. Yeah. All our guests. So anyone that's listening, we have a great sponsor, uh, Brand Boulevard, and they uh, they give all of our um, uh, guests, um, you know, branded merchandise and what have you. So uh, pretty how sweet. do we get those? How do we get those? I want that's one. All right. Well, I don't know. Trav, I you have, have yours one? at my house. I continue yeah. to try and arrange to get it to you. Yeah, I forgot and you don't come to Welland, though. I thought oh, Jill had the way. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Work from home guy now. 
So, um, I just, you know, good for you for speaking up in, in, you know, 2008 to that. We just finished having, you know, my, my wife on Kristen and, uh, we had a like 45 minute uh, segment on mental health and the importance of mental health in the workplace and the importance of speaking up and talking and being open. Um, you know, it, it, it it's, it's, it's crazy, right? Um, it's the, so important. Uh, and you know what, and this piggybacks, this is a great, uh, you know, like segue into what you do and, and the fact that a big portion of mental health is, is, uh, identity, um, and sexuality and you being a certified rainbow employer. And you actually just posted something fairly disgusting on your LinkedIn. I, I saw it. Um, I was very, uh, uh, upset that that took place at your place of employment because I know I'll let you describe it, but, um, I'll, I'll let you go down that road. But, um, I, I was pretty, uh, uh, enraged and good for you for outing these people, but go ahead, uh, walk us through it. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context first, um, to understand why I do the things that I do with my social, with my company, social media feed. Um, my company culture is, it is the most important thing to me. Um, I have 100 employees, uh, around that work for me. And I am very cognizant that every day I am making decisions that uh, affects them and their families. And I, I, my, my father always said, you know, you got you to gotta make the decision that's going to put bread on everybody's tables. And that's always what I look at is what is the right decision to ensure that bread keeps going on to everyone's table. Um, and Company culture is a huge part of that to me. Um, you know, ensuring that my staff have a safe place to work, that they feel that they have um, an employer that tries to understand, tries to work with them, um, and tries to tries to really be a real person. You know, and I, and I say that in in a facetious kind of way, but you know, back in the 90s when I was growing up, you always kind of looked at um, the CEOs or the business owners as these amazing, you know, uh, people that you put up on a pillar and, uh, you know, they've done so much work and everything. And I don't know about everybody else, but I'm just a regular person. I am just a regular person that comes into work every day and I try to do, you know, the best job I can possibly do and make the most positive impact on my community um, that I possibly can. And uh, one of the big ways that I really see um, me executing that is with my my employee community um, and ensuring that they are, are um, treated pro uh, uh, properly. Um, I am a huge advocate for diversity. Um, I truly believe that uh, we are um, we are only as as um, we are only as good as our collective whole. There is not one person ever in any board meeting, in any business sense ever, that is the most important person. And that's something that I try to uh, really impress on my employees. We have a service excellence day that we run for all of our new staff quarterly. And that is one of the things that I always say. Um, I am not the most important person in this company. I am probably making the most important decisions because they, they affect everyone. But at the end of the day, it's every single person in the company that is making the the impact that the community is seeing. So um, you, you kind of understand where I come from um, and, and how important it is for me to ensure that it's a, a safe place. Um, 
It's a and team, I, a family, right? It's a team. It's a family. And and, and that's actually a, a really mm -hmm. great point. You know, we, we're a family company. We're the Gales family company, but it's more than just the Gale family. It is everybody's family. I have husbands and wives that work for me. I have kids of people that worked for my dad that work for me. It's more than just the Gale family. It's really the Gales family, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so I put a post out on our Facebook last night about a really um, disgusting event that happened. Disgusting is what it is. And it happened a couple of days prior. And honestly, I couldn't put a post out because I was so... I was, I was literally seeing red that this would happen in one of my sites, that, that this event was allowed to happen in one of my sites. Um, so what happened was a young man was working um, and he happens to be in the LGBTQ community and he's a great guy. Um, I have a, a personal relationship with him. You know, we, we know each other. He, you know, I just actually talked to him this morning again. Um, and he was, uh, you know, sitting behind the desk. You can see the video. It's on our Facebook. And a uh, gentleman, not even a gentleman, I'm not going to call him that, sorry, a guy mm. walks in and uh, I'm not going to repeat what he said, but said something really vulgar to the staff member. And then he grabbed a bag of peanuts and he threw it at him. And that guy walked to the back of the store where his, a, a woman was, was standing at our ATM and when they left, um, the guy, again, hurled more homophobic comments to my staff member and proceeded to continue throwing, I think it was four or five bags of peanuts. Yeah, four him. or five items, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it's horrible because when I talked to the staff member who doesn't want, he doesn't want anything to do with this. He doesn't want any kind of recognition. He doesn't want, he, he just wants it to go away. Mm. Um, and I'm sure he's angry, but I'm, I don't know what we can say on here. I'm really PO'd, you know? Oh, you and, can swear. You can say okay. Yeah, you can <laughs> I, I'm really off. pissed, um, yeah. you know, and uh, I am, I am willing to, I'm willing to put myself and my company out there in order to make a difference in, in this world. Um, and one of the things that, that I know, and I've, I've really, um, really taken hold of in probably the last couple of years is the fact that I can make a difference as a business owner, as a woman, as a community leader, and I plan on doing that. And this is just one um, example of that. So I put it out on our Facebook and I, I kind of tried to paint a story. I do some writing. So I, I tried to paint a little bit of a story and I said, you know, you, you, you come into work and you expect it to be a safe place and you've got mm -hmm. a great relationship with management and then this happens. And why is that okay? This no is absolutely disgusting. And the, the staff member's response to me, because I called him the next day and I said, oh my God, you know, I'm so sorry. Like I, I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated that this occurred in my business because it is so far beyond okay in, mm. to, to me. Um, the antithesis and I said, of what you want to promote, right? Exactly. Exactly. Mm. It goes, it goes. It, sorry. Anyways, I'm getting upset again. Um, That's okay. I called You're right him. to get upset. I called him and I said, I said, are you okay? You know, are, 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 like, I'm thinking, like, he, he's a young man. Is he okay? Mm -hmm. And it was so sad because he said to me, Jess, this is, uh, you, you don't know how much this happened to me in high school. He said, this is no big deal to me. 
And I thought, what the hell is wrong with the world? That that's what you feel. That's, that's horrible. Hmm. And that enraged me even more. So, uh, I, and I, I said to him, I, I got his blessing first to put the video out Which there. Which is key. And, I, and, and that's very nice that you did that. Yeah. No, I would never, I would well, never yeah. have done something because I recognize that, you know, if somebody recognized him or recognized the store or whatever, that he could have backlash on it. Um, and, and that is the last thing that doesn't, uh, that is the last thing that I want to do is, is cause any more stress, uh, distress for him. Um, and then I really had to sit on it for a day or two because honest to God, uh, I just, again, it's just so far beyond what is, what is acceptable in, in, in my world. And my world is my stores. Every single location is my world. And I will control what happens in those sites. And I will make sure that it is a safe place for all of my employees, period. And, and good for good you for you. doing that and taking that kind of stand. I mean, like I, it, it was really interesting to me when I was watching that video, I was just as enraged. I mean, obviously probably not as much as yourself. Um, I'm not talking, but I LBGTQ2S plus rights are just, you know, um, to me, it's, I, I don't, I just don't understand why, to your point, you made a really great, what is wrong with this bloody world? But I noticed that there was no one else in the convenience store that, you know, like there was no one else around. He, you know, I, I, I was really curious if this person would have acted that same way if, you know, myself or Collins or, you know, someone, you know, you know, any of the, any, you know, Bondo was, were, were in line or Trevor was in line and would they have said anything? Because I would have thrown, I hate to break it to you, Jess, but uh, I, I would have owed you probably for a glass door. <laughs> um, I would have, oh, I, I can't stand that stuff. I yeah. just don't, it, it, it infuriates me because, you know, for many, for many reasons. Right. So, and I want to raise, I want to raise a, uh, two children, six and four, right. Like in, in, in a world that is welcoming. Right. Yeah. Um, Which is, why do you care? Why do you, why I do you yeah. care so much? What, why does it matter? That person chooses to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, Melissa, I don't know if, if the re the viewers can see the chat, yeah, but let's, Melissa, um, uh, Melissa's actually, she's made uh, a great point as to make it as safe as possible when you're dealing with the public, but you can't always control what walks through the door. And she's 100%. absolutely right. And I, um, I'm, that's, that's what's so infuriating to me. You know, we have the rainbow registered, um, uh, logo on the door. They walked past that logo. So that logo is supposed to, um, let people know that we are an LGBTQ ally, that this is a safe place for my staff, for any customers, for anybody walking in the door. And for that to happen, it goes against everything that I feel is right in this world. And I totally understand that um, my staff Almost member, targeted then, eh? Absolutely. Because now they yeah. know he works there. And I totally understand that he doesn't want to, you know, uh, come, out, come out with it. But I'm angry enough to do it. And mm -hmm. I can do it. So I'm going to, yeah. so I, yeah. I put out a really, uh, strong post and I, and I point blank said, do you know these people? Um, because quite frankly, I believe they should be charged with assault. Um, and, uh, you know, they are not welcome in my store period ever. Yeah. 
And, and it's got to be because I know, like, I know you well enough to go, you know, and just, 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 you're, you're, you know, you, you talking right now, like your, your employees are not employees. They're, like you said, they're family, they're like children, right? Like you treat them like your own. And, yeah. um, it, it would be just absolutely devastating for it to happen. It to, really you know, is. Even, even, you know, we, we've got a smaller team. Our, our team is a small team of 10, but, um, you know, um, but you know, it, it's another thing too, that what, what other measures have you taken to, to put into place? Like, um, from a group benefits perspective, have you, you know, have, oh, yeah. is there like EAP programs that you've put into place as a CEO to, to make that more of a, a family environment to, to kind of yeah. help navigate? So, um, so we're, we're going to pivot a little bit here and, and, and talk more about yeah, the living ahead. wage, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, stuff. 100%. so, um, uh, I really started focusing on company culture about five years ago and I wanted to take baby steps because, you know, I, I, I didn't know what we could do, what was easy to do, what was hard to do, what was, you know, what I didn't know what I should be focusing on. Because when you say company culture, it's this, this hmm. huge thing. What does that really mean? Right. So um, we sat down and, and chatted with all of our management team and we, we had a consultant come in, uh, you know, Neil Thornton, Brandon, yep. Yep. No, um, well. absolutely fantastic guy. And he of the show. In, yeah, yep, absolutely. And uh, he came in and he helped us out um, to uh, really put together co uh, company values, our mission and our vision statement, um, and uh, really kind of hone in on, on what was important for my staff. And uh, so we started taking baby steps in, in that direction. Our company vision uh, was formalized. It's fueling Niagara for the next 50 years. And it's obviously a pun on petroleum. But it, it also, um, it really resonates with me because it, it really means that every decision that we are making, that I am making, is the right decision for 50 years from now. It's not the right decision for tomorrow necessarily. It's not the right decision for next year. I'm looking at longevity. I'm looking at, you know, if one of my children chooses to come into the company and be a fourth generation, how am I setting them up for success and everyone else? So we were already going down this, this route of um, making, uh, you know, vision, mission, mission values. And then um, I think I just saw a post or an email or something about living wage. And I remember, I remember I was going on vacation. It was March of 19 and I was going on vacation and, and I sent it to my HR manager and I said, Hey, can you do me a favor and just look this up? Um, I've never heard of it before, but you know, it, depending on what the, the um, gap is from where we are and where we need to be, then this might be, you know, something that we can, we can do. And uh, I'm very proud to say that in uh, August of 19, we became a living wage champion, the first one in Ontario in the petroleum sector. Um, so the way that that breaks down for us is we are in the 1890 uh per hour uh, region. And uh, we we do it as um, a portion of benefits and then wages as well. So um, that's the way that it really whittled down for us. Because we are a champion, we make sure that um, contractors that we work with are also paying a living wage. So that's kind of what sets aside a leader, a, a living wage leader and a living, living wage champion. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things that, it's it's not a small commitment. Um, I'm not going to lie. No. It's it's a big commitment. Uh, you really champion, need right? to you really need to make sure that you can 
you can manage it um, because you're talking big dollars. And when you're talking business, you have to talk fiscal because you have to make sure that you are sustainable. So as much as it's nice to want to, for me to want to say, I want to do this for my, my staff, is it, is it the fiscally responsible thing to do? And that is always the question every year when that renewal comes up is, is it still the, the fiscally responsible thing to do? Because if I all of a sudden go out of business, then nobody's being paid. Um, so it was August of 19 that, that I committed to that. And then COVID hits in March mm -hmm. of 20. And right. we are an uh, essential business, um, which sounds great, but it really is a double-edged sword because as much as we could, uh, I could have all of my sites open, there wasn't enough traffic out there for that. And um, literally, I need cars at the pumps in order to ensure that my business keeps running. So uh, I had to make some pretty, pretty hard decisions. And at, at the high point, um, I had shut down uh, a quarter of my sites and laid off a quarter of my staff. Wow. Um, and I think that lasted for a month or two. Um, <laughs> So in the grand scheme of things, you know, when you're talking 24 months to, to only have that, that big, big portion happen um, right. for two months, you know, I'm, I really over COVID, I did everything I could to make sure that I employed as many people as possible. And, you know, there are, there are employers out there and, and, and call it foolish, call it what you will but I probably made some decisions that were not the right one for my business necessarily, but they were the right one for my staff. And, you know, 80 years from now, I'm going to be more proud of the lives that I helped than the longevity of, um, or I, I guess the revenue coming in. Um, if, if, if you understand what I mean, you know, oh, like, no, it's it not was all more important. It's not all. It's not all bottom line. Um, I mean, it is. It is as mm -hmm. well because you yes. know. Again, you gotta yep. you gotta keep it sustainable, right? Yeah. Um, but I was able to navigate um, in some ways, and I believe that being a living wage provider did help me through that time. Um, so if if there's one thing that I can I can say to your viewers is is you know you the one thing that COVID really taught us is the importance of supporting local and supporting, you know, your local butcher and baker and, you know, all of those little guys, um, you know, the Costco's of the world and the Walmart's of the world, they're owned by shareholders. You know, these are not people who are putting their blood, sweat and tears into the businesses. These are not people who, um, who even meet the people that are working for them. Meanwhile, I am. I know I have met every single person in, in this company if they have done the, the, the service excellence day because I am on that call as well every time. Um, you know, it, it means something that I can go to a site and say, hey, John, or hey, Kim, or hey, Kevin. You know, I, to me, that, that gives me a good feeling in my heart. And that is more important to me than any paycheck. No, Brand no, and I think that's no, no, <laughs> no, no, that, no, no. Yeah, but no, no one wants to hear us talk, anyways. It's, it's no. totally fine. 
No, literally. I do have a question for you though. Just based on sustainability, obviously, you know, we I'm sure you're getting all kinds of flack based on what the the pumps uh, are are showing right now. Um I'm sure you're gonna get into that a little bit and and about the carbon tax that just came into effect April one or the increase. Um what's your position in terms of sustainability with a move or a transition to uh, electric vehicles? So um, electric vehicles are here. They're here. They're here to stay and there's Mm. a place for them. Um, I am watching that and I have been watching that for a very long time. Uh, My opinion is that they are going to take a big chunk out of this market, but it's not going to happen as fast as the media seems to portray it will. Um, you know, the, they have mandates in place saying that, you know, I think in California by 2035, you're not going to be able to buy uh, an internal combustion engine uh, vehicle. Um, in Ontario, uh, from what, from the conversations that I have had, and I am not an expert on this subject by any stretch of the imagination, but no. I, I know a little bit more than the average person. Um, first of all, the hydro grid is not capable of um, of supporting that number of vehicles. Um, but there's a whole other side of this that the media is not covering yet. And I wish they would because there's too much out there saying that EVs are environmentally friendly. Um, and that's not really the case. Uh, the batteries in EVs um, are, first of all, the wreckers don't know how to handle uh, the actual um, retirement of a vehicle or whatever whatever they call it. Um, you know, when a, when a vehicle is at end of life, they do not know how to handle that battery because it is so, uh, so toxic. Um, those batteries right now anyways, they last hundreds if not thousands of years. So whereas I believe it's 85% of a traditional vehicle is actually reusable that is not the case with um, electric vehicles so i think that um there's a lot of miscommunication or or not miscommunication there's just a lot of um the media sensationalizes what they want to sensationalize and i don't know that anyone is really and by anyone i mean the big guys you know your cbc's nbc's whatever um i don't know that they're giving the full story yet and i wish that they would because people don't people don't know these things and it's important so they never do um, anymore they only tell one side exactly yeah um so for my company with evs uh yes i'm watching them am i worried about them I'm not worried about them um, because my company is very diverse. I deliver uh, product, mm-hmm. I have convenience stores, and yep. I have the retail s- side of things. So when we're talking EVs, we're really just talking retail, which is only a portion of my business. So there, there's that comfort, and and thank God for my dad and my grandfather for 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 that um, diversification, right? Yep, and uh, you know I'm also looking at at other ways of how how we can div- diversify more. Um, but also, uh, one of my main focuses in the last, uh, five, 
years, five years, uh, has been on environmental responsibility. So, you know, talking very plainly, I'm a petroleum woman. You know, I deal with uh, fossil fuels and there is contamination that happens at every gas, gas station, every gas station in the world. It's just the reality of things. When you, uh, you know, over pump your jerry can or something and it spills out, that's contamination. Um, so I do that every time I fill up the lawnmower. I, I, well, and you look at boats, <laughs> right? I, I couldn't believe it, but I was up in Muskoka a couple of years ago, had to fill up a jet ski yes. that I, that I rented and they just fill it up until it pours into the lake. It's yeah. incredible. It blew plume. my mind. <laughs> but anyways, um, my focus, uh, is on, uh, renovating my current sites to make sure that I am as environmentally uh, responsible within my company as I possibly can be. And this, this f falls in line with, with my company culture and everything, you know, I am a, I am a very um, moral individual, if you, if you want to say that, you know, I, I'm very cognizant that the decisions I make today, I have to live with for the next 40, 50, probably that's it years. Um, so what I did, uh, was I started looking at my sites and some of them had the, uh, old single wall steel tanks. And, uh, while those tanks are still legal, uh, they are tested every two years to make sure that they are all, you know, fine and good and there's no leaking and anything like that. Um, they have a bad stigma about them and insurance companies don't love them anymore. Now we have double wall fiberglass tanks. In the, in the industry. So what I looked at was I had nine sites that had uh, these old steel, steel tanks and I set out uh, to do a, a big project and replace all of them. The tanks, the lines, the pumps at some of the sites, do an entire cleanup again so that I know that at this point in time, that site is as clean as a gas station can possibly be. Yeah. Um, and of those nine prior to COVID, starting in September of 17, uh, I had done six of them, which is, we're talking huge dollars. We're, yeah. we're talking big capital, capital going into sure. that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no ROI on that. Right. No. So I, I had my, my general contractor actually thought I was absolutely stark raven mad Berserk. when I said, this is what I'm doing because, you know, he, he knows the cost of doing that. Now he's the one that was making the money. Cause of course he's doing the job, right? So whatever I say he he'll do, but um, you know, it was, I looked at one. Um, okay. I'm going to save some money in insurance. It's just a, a bit, but it, you know, may, might make me feel a little bit better. Um, but two, I now know that those are brand new tanks down there and I can confidently say everything is fine with that site. Now I'll tell you, it killed me every time they took a tank out of the ground because they were all pristine. Um, oh really? I, oh, I'm not even kidding. They look like brand spanking new. Can you get anything on the resale market or? No, because they, they held petroleum and you can't reuse them. So not um, even another but, like gas station can, uh -uh. no. Oh, no way. Mm -mm. No, I mean, would you put a, put a used, put a used gas tank into your gas station and, and say that it's perfect and nothing's ever going to happen? Nobody's going to do that. You're talking so to what Brandon. are they going to do to that? that when you, <laughs> You're uh, talking to Brandon. Decommission it. You have to decommission. What do you do with the old tanks and all that when you take them out? 
Uh, they, they, I mean, my general contractor takes care of that, but there is a, um, there is a, a hazardous uh, waste recycling plants or something that they take it to, and I pay to have it. It's probably crushed and and yeah. recycled, but no, I just pay and pay and pay. <laughs> so, but it's the right thing to do, and that's what's important. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm. I'm I'm personally very proud of what what I've accomplished, what we've accomplished, and um, yeah, then I get to talk to people like you about it and and try to educate people a little bit. No, that's great. Um, um, No, I mean, and all right, so we'll talk on a on a you know a lot of people will be wondering and but let's instead of going local and micro on on the next question, let's talk macro. Uh, let's try talk the macroeconomics of, uh, fuel prices. Uh, so, you know, the, the, we'll touch on, um, because just to go to the nitty gritty is just pointless because it's just, it's everywhere. So it's a lot easier for like, it's, you know, someone who's listening and watching us in Vancouver right now is experiencing. They don't want to know about the Niagara market. (laughs) They don't care. They don't care, but they, but being a CEO, um, of a petroleum company and, 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 and to be, fair and independent petroleum company, right? So, um, like how do the geopolitical forces right now, uh, maybe national forces, uh, i.e. carbon tax, like, can you explain that, uh, you know, how, how are they affecting petroleum prices? So, um, people need to understand, first of all, the amount of tax that you pay on, on a liter of let's just pick on gasoline. Okay. So right on top of Ga- the the price that I buy, and let's say that I buy a liter of gasoline for a dollar. <clears throat> That's my my product price, okay? Cost you of have, goods sold. Yes. You have excise tax of uh, 10 cents. You have road tax of 14.7 cents. I might have those two backwards. I, I always confuse those two. Um, you have carbon tax that just went up on April 1st again uh, of 11.05 cents per liter. And then on top of all of that, you have HST. So you're taxed on your tax. Um, so when- That logically makes complete sense though, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, well, of course, right? <laughs> right, like you tax the tax, of course. I thought you um, able to tax a tax, but anyways. Interesting, right? I, yeah. I know. <laughs> um, so crude costs, um, crude cost taxes and refinery uh, margins are typically the biggest portion of that pie. So when I say crude costs, it's the actual, you know, how, how much it costs to make a barrel of oil, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got your refinery margin on it. So that doesn't, that has nothing to do with me whatsoever. Um, it's just what they mark things up in order to sell it to me. Then you've got your taxes. Um, and that's the biggest portion of the pie. Your, your retail margin is actually the smallest portion. Um, it's, then you t- start talking global um, supply and demand. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's interesting. Back when COVID first hit, and and I, I do wonder if the if it's what's uh, pushing the the prices as high, on top of actual COVID itself and the war in, it, with Russia and everything. But when COVID first hit, everything stopped 
all of a sudden. And petroleum, petroleum demand plummeted. And all of a sudden, we were actually in a really interesting predicament because global storage was actually uh, on risk at risk of being completely full. <laughs> I mean, who would have ever thought that that was possible? Um, but that was that was the God's honest truth. Well, if if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, at one point during COVID, the um, crude future prices people were paying people to take their future. They crude. absolutely were. Hmm. They absolutely were. Imagine Insane. that. Crazy. So, and and the pro the real problem with that is when you talk about shutting down a refinery, it's not like a flipping of a switch. When you shut down a refinery, and this is again what I what I've been told because I don't do it. Um, but when you shut down a refinery, it takes days, if not weeks, to get it back up. So these were real, real problems um, back then. And I think what caused part of that from my, my research, what caused part of what we're going through now, sorry, is that they cut production to the amount that now there's a backlog. And um, so now we're at a, at a place where global supply is low. And demand is increasing because COVID is, the world is starting to open up because of COVID. So all of a sudden you have a commodity that people are fighting tooth and nail to get at, um, especially because of Ukraine and Russia, you know, with the sanctions that are put put on <laughs> Russia. Um, and the fact that the world is cutting off Russia supply, that is a huge thing. Um, so that's just decreasing the supply even more. Um, and all of these things are adding to, are, are, are re, um, resulting in petroleum prices that we've never seen before. It, it's yeah, like a perfect it, storm, right? Like, I mean, you've got the war, you've got the pandemic, you've got the yeah. increase in tax. And I mean, even if you go back, I don't know, 18 months to two years, you've got that pipeline, right? The Keystone yep. uh, pipeline. That uh, So I think everything contributes to it. And it's just... Yeah. You know, really finding ourselves in a perfect storm. And I think, it, you know, before too, too long, obviously things are going to have to level off a little bit. Hopefully sooner well, than later. Well, you know, they're, they're saying that uh, things are, are supposed to be uh, increasing until at least uh, Q3, which mm -hmm. would be uh, beginning of July, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then we'll see. Uh, after that, it all depends on what happens with Ukraine and Russia. Um, but, you know, there's there's other things to to consider um, that are that are going to be permanent or, <clears throat> you know, as permanent as permanent is, um, you know, the carbon tax goes up every April 1st and it is going to go up every April 1st. I can tell you what it will be in 2020, sorry, 2030. In yeah. 2030 on gasoline, we're going to be going. So right now we're paying 11.05 cents. In 2030, we will be paying 37.43 cents just as the, just for the federal carbon charge. Um, so, you know, people should really be asking what's what's going on with that. What's what's the point of it? Um, well, I think, you know, like, you know, uh, 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 Jessica, like y y you're I mean, I, I'm definitely would consider myself. A, I wouldn't consider myself an environmentalist because I just I don't want to take that away from someone who who does that for a living, but definitely someone who's very conscientious on the environment. I mean, I'm waiting for my electric vehicle. So I really, I really liked your picture in the paper of you putting in uh, electric car charges that, you know, that's what part of your business plan. I saw that. Um, 
and uh, acknowledging that is the way of the future and diversifying yourself. But then on top of that, um, but of course that's delayed. Uh, I have, you know, solar panels uh, on my home. I've got LED light bulbs. But the fact of the matter is maybe if you know the statistic worldwide, you know, Canada is still one of the top petroleum producing companies, uh, countries in the world. And uh, it, it represents, uh, if you talk to economists or fund managers, large fund managers, like your Fidelities of the world, your SLGIs and CIs of the world, um, it represents 10 to 12% of Canada's GDP. Like, and to put it into perspective, the, the GDP of Canada is, is like the income of Canada. It's the goods that we produce and that's how we make our money and that's how we get our taxes and stuff like that, right? So that's key for people to understand. And worldwide consumption of petroleum, uh, gasoline, um, is projected to increase until 2035. And did I read that right, Jessica? Like worldwide? Like, um, so even though Canada might be going um, more, you know, carbon neutral, which is, you know, I, I fully support, but to, we, you know, I guess where I'm trying to get at is that there's people like you in this industry that do pay employees at a living wage that do respect their rights that, you know, do produce a safe product world relatively worldwide. And there are countries that, well, on many issues that don't do that. So to, I guess, to, to shut the world off of our, of our, one of our main exports, um, when, and, and am I right? Is, is world consumption supposed to increase? Um, that, that is what I've heard, but I haven't seen any numbers to support that. Okay. So but like, I think that people need to understand that that passenger vehicles are just one portion of um, of the vehicles that are either on the road or on the uh, you know on the oceans or in the sky. And um, transportation's the, huge. Transportation's huge. Yes. Yeah. And and passenger vehicles are only one small portion of it. Yeah. And so, but also too, you need to understand that the infrastructure, I mean, shed some light on the cost that you as an independent, um, uh, uh, I guess what would be now an independent charging, uh, uh, company, right. Uh, is what would the cost be? What's the cost to put those chargers into your, uh, to, to kind of help you diversify. <laughs> um, yeah, your, your face says it all. Well, the, you know, <laughs> it, it's too much. <laughs> it's too much. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have, I don't have that number on me right now, Brandon, unfortunately. Yeah, um, there, uh, but the government grant, uh, grants that were, were in place and I don't know yep. that they still are, but that were in place were not enough to, uh, to help with that cost. Um, and more so than, than even that. And, and one of the re real reasons that I shy away from putting in a uh, charger right now mm -hmm. is because it takes too long. You come to my site and you want to get in and out. You don't want to be at a gas station. You don't want to be at a convenience store. And so it's, it's, it's that turnover, right? Right now it's taking half an hour, 40, 40 minutes at, a at a, at a, uh, you know, a, a high end charging station in order to get that battery full. 
why why do I want to put something in that takes that long? I can have like like what does that mean? I can have twenty customers a day if I've got a, a lineup going. Um, you know, so un until they get a, a little little faster um, or a little bit more universal, even you know, because yes. you've got your Teslas and you've got your um, you know, whatever everybody else. General Motors, Ford, Chrysler. Yep. yep. Yeah. You know, the Leaf and things like this. Um, you know, until it until I can say, okay, I'm going to put in this charger, and it's going to take you five to ten minutes to charge, and I can do a Tesla. I can do you know this one and that one, and I can do all of them. Why why do I want to entertain that? Business model isn't there yet, eh? No, not 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 for. A uh, independently owned operator like me. If you're a Petro Canada of the world or an SO of the world, and you have shareholders and you can budget for this, then then that's great. You know, um, because there is definitely um, room in the market for this. But for me, it's a different, different ballpark, story. Right? Yeah. Well, and I think it just goes to show you, and that that kind of piggybacks on to my point, which is then if. We are a G7 country. We have the GDP and we are significantly uh, putting money in government grants and, and as minimum as they are, and they're not maybe covering everything. But, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where what are you, what do you think the opportunity is for an emerging market like India or China or South Africa or, um, a third world country, like on putting in this infrastructure, if we in North America can't even do it properly, what are your thoughts on that? Like that, which is why probably petroleum is still around, going to be around for, you know, quite some time until this infrastructure gets built out properly. You know, um, as important as decreasing our carbon footprint is, and it is, and I don't want anyone to think that I, I don't believe that's important. Having bread on your table is more important. Right. So there are, there are, we are a first world country. We have the luxury of having to debate this. There mm -hmm. are too many third world nations that this isn't even, it's not even, the, the, the thought of an electric vehicle is so far beyond what they are worried about when they are literally worried about where, where their next meal is coming from. And, you know, as Canadians, we have a luxury of of being in such a wonderful country and such a such a stable country and i think we forget about that a lot because we take it for granted nope i totally agree with that but um nope and and you've you shed on some you, you said you've shed some great points and um and shed a light on some key pieces of i hope people who are employers and and uh you know what you've done and the steps that you've taken to you with your small business um and and moved it in the right direction um i'm just very conscientious of your time and because we've asked for you know you've been on close to an hour so i i, I know you you've got a math you've got a business to run yeah so no, um but we would love to have you on again um right. and and so because and so to anyone that's listening and watching um Obviously, uh, Jessica's a friend of the show and a friend of ours. She's been on a bunch of times. So if there's any questions, please email at info at professionalinsight.ca. Um, and we can get those over to Jessica and then maybe compile them all and have her on again. Um, and we can go from there. But uh, Jess, thanks very much again for coming Amazing. on the show. It was Amazing. great. It was great chat. Niagara. It was awesome.
Thank you. Thank you for having me on, guys. And and if I can just do a, a couple of takeaways uh, for your viewers, you know, it, it, it's not a cliche support local. It's 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 critical. And, um, you know, diversity matters. People matter. Different people matter. And um, just be kind, be kind in the world. I'm happy to well, see that you're you saying that. That's great. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Thanks Jess. Guys. Really appreciate it. Always enjoy having her on, eh, guys? Like, Very she's nice. just, like, just such a wealth of knowledge. And to come from healthcare and then to then take over, yes, it's the family business, but that is, like, a, that's a 180 going from being an RN uh, and then turning around and running a petroleum company, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's makes our uh, one shit and... Uh, and Trevor's RV seem pretty That's low. Still, yeah, I know. I mean, it really is, right? Day, you know, like it's. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, goals are goals, right? It is what it is. Yeah. I was happy um, to see her snow brush in uh, in her office, though. So that means that it's not in her car anymore, right? There you go. That's good. That's good, <laughs> right? Um, so again, uh, and then up next to, uh, wrap up the show will be, uh, again, uh, for everyone that's listening, please like, and subscribe and to, um, uh, share, to join care. so that, you know, share and care would be great. <laughs> um, but we're up next. We'll be talking about just again, piggybacking on the employer, um, positive workplaces, certified workplaces and that kind of stuff. We're going to go to a, a recruiter, a, prof a professional recruiter, um, Patricia Brick, uh, and oh, there she is. Can you can you hear us? Okay, Patricia. Uh oh, uh -oh. check your set. Check check your settings. Mic check. Yeah, the mic mic, your check. microphone. I that's happened to a couple people. So under the play so around with the audio input. Go to the gear. Work. The gear on the bottom right. Um, yeah, does it work? No, nope. Trevor, I forgot my light. Hmm. Oh, did you turn it on there, uh, Josh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Makes a difference with the Is light, it, though, eh? Like the light does. Uh, can you? No, no, can't hear you now. Do you have any earphones? Like any earbuds? No. Uh, it's got to be the settings, the, right? It's got to be the settings. Yeah. Try yeah. Try logging off and logging back on again. That might be. That usually does work. And then I've I've flipped my all my settings to default, so that is what and got use rid of Google the Chrome. And use Google Chrome if you got it. Okay, so. perfect. Yeah, well, that's okay. We're good. We've got some time. We're ahead of schedule, which is awesome. Well, so, do you want to talk uh, about the Leafs again? We can talk about yeah. the Leafs again. We can just uh, we can kind of pivot and talk again. about the Leafs. And, we can talk uh, about Montreal. They won first overall, right? They got first overall. There's a glimmer of hope for that team again. And, and the draft no is actually happening. The, the, the in draft Montreal. Is so no glimmer of hope. Enough, they got first overall with the draft in Montreal. Oh, here we go. Throw them a bone. Throw them a bone. That, uh, but, uh, <laughs> so Trev, you must be happy. Okay, let's see. I'm a quietly reserved Habs fan. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't Hold flap on. my gums like Leafs fans and like some other Habs fans. We don't fans, flap our guns. We defend oh, our Oh, Leafs fans yeah, have been flapping their gums all year long. Trev, Patricia, you want to try and trouble, troubleshoot? Uh, Patricia here, try to On the mic. No, there's nothing. I don't know. We can't even see it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think she has a Yeti mic too. The gear um, icon, you've got your microphone, your camera, all that icon. There's an audio 
tab and then your audio input and your audio output. Um, is it set to default? We could talk about how bad the Blue Nothing. Jays are right now. It's like, oh my God, what is going on? Yankees are how bad. Yes. How bad the Blue Jays are? Any... Oh, they're just tumbling down to 500 right now. Yeah. They can't hit. Too many big bats at the beginning believe, of the year. I think Charlie Montoya is in trouble if they don't All right. turn around. We'll give her one minute. No problem. Yeah. Is they going to ask them? Trying to do uh, like external oh, microphone built in. Jays fans do not like them. Who? Sorry? Montoya. Charlie Montoya, the, the Blue Jays uh, coach. Thanks, Elaine. Really appreciate Man. you guys listening and following. Thank you. Um, so, Thanks, Elaine. Yeah. Appreciate Good it. Good stuff. So I think just uh, uh, let's talk about what's coming up in a couple of weeks. We've got um, we've got a couple of guests. The, the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I hope we're still talking about the Leafs in in <laughs> by our next show, which is going to be recording on the. Da, 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 I want to make sure we're going 27th. live on Friday the twenty seventh. There's going to be a lot and, of game sevens too this year. I think a lot of yep crazy. Um, Good what was it going to say the. With regards to that, we've got our um, Vin Diesel, the uh, our, our buddy Vin Diesel, our, uh, very own Vin Diesel. our very our very own Vin Diesel, Carlo DeSantis will be on the show <laughs> to talk about renovating and renovations. So and, yeah, right. No, he's got like a deep radio voice. He's really good. Um, and there goes there goes Collins. Just gets up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, you've got um, Brandy Henderson is coming back on the show to talk nice. about the importance of web presence. Um, she is stuff. the uh, co-owner and co-founder of um, Onera Group and uh, Reveal Magazine. So she'll be coming on. And uh, yeah, we've got a couple of other topics that we are researching right now to make sure that they're good to go for the next couple of weeks. I know, Trev, you've got a couple of good ones. So yep. um, we'll uh, we'll tackle that Um yeah, at a later uh, at a later date, so that'll be great. I, so, I love how we have so many heavy hitting women, eh? Great, isn't it awesome? Yeah, isn't it awesome? Yeah, we wicked. do. Um, so we've got uh, we've got uh, and, a lot and of that's tea, the plan. Like, Boy, a lot of teas. Oh, you know what? Well, why don't we bring this up while we're waiting here? Because I I sent something to you guys about the stress test. They're already talking about ways to improve the market because the market's cooled so bad. So you don't say. You don't say. It's, it's didn't we talk about this? They're going to raise interest rates. It's going to cool. They're going to start lowering interest rates again. What do you think, Trev? hundred percent, hundred percent. They're going too fast, too quick. Oh, they just They're cooled just... the market. It's crazy. Just offsetting themselves though with the interest they... with the stress test, right? Like. Uh, everybody <laughs> thinks they know better than the people with the boots on the ground. So and, and they're going to they do what they transactions, want. Transactions like that's a lot of land transfer money they lose. Like it's just straight, straight in the government's hands, right? Especially in GTA. Yeah, typically. I, mean, I, was, I was talking to a uh, a buddy of all of ours, uh, but you know, I'll again, unless he's on the show, I'll, I'll just kind of keep it. But he was just saying. Uh, he works for one of the major the banks and uh he he goes the way the way he you know has he has to hit sales targets but also um he gets a percentage of uh his uh, of the interest that he books for for mortgages right uh like i'm talking high 
super high end mortgages, like several million See, dollar mortgages. Just said too? She's and renewed at yeah, yeah, Melissa's just renewing at four nineteen, um, and she Melissa, at, my, at, at half yeah, that. sorry, my advice on that. Obviously, that's a fixed rate that you're looking at. Um, if I were you, I would consider looking shorter term. Look, you know, one, two, three year term. Uh, our interest rates are very cyclical to what's happening with U.S. federal elections. Uh, we've got a U.S. federal election coming up this uh, um, this November. It's a midterm yep. year, 2024 being the next uh, year that the presidential <laughs> ticket is on the ballot. Uh, so you're going to see some softening in those interest rates. They're they're moving very aggressively. Is it worth walking in at, at 419 right now or, you know, potentially going uh, with a one, one, two, three year option? Uh, that's going to put you under the 4% mark for the most part uh, with a small handful of some lenders. So See, that's I wonder what they're what thinking right, right now. now because the market they're saying went up 25 in January, February, but they say it's still going to even out a 15% increase from last year throughout the whole year. And those prices are still kind of maintaining, you know, just slightly mm -hmm. down. So the aggression people had in, in January, February is not there. It's just reduced a bit, but it's still selling. Yeah. You well, the, so. and the point is like the, the supply and demand piece, we don't have to worry that the value of things is going to come crashing down. It's just all that's <laughs> happening with these rising rates is it's hurting the demand side, right? Again, another issue that our government continues to attack demand yeah, yeah and I mean, not in their books for profits. There's all kinds of stuff happening here. Yeah, I mean, that's another topic maybe for another uh, show. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of the platforms are. And I think one of you has kicked us something, right? Just uh, in terms of what the platforms are, um, at least from the provincial perspective here, right? Yeah. In terms of getting some. Uh, I just think it's going to be an interesting year because it looks like everyone wanted to cool it. It cooled too quick. Now they want to speed it back up a little bit and then. I think uh, well, well we can tackle that on we can tackle that on the, on our next episode. But yeah, we got uh, I think Patricia is yeah. let's, she's good on she's switched to. Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> All right. I switched my computer, so I'm on my work computer now. So uh, there we go. Everybody. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to. Uh, to first start off to say thank you to Kristen and Jess. Um, I am definitely by far and away the least qualified person to join the podcast. Uh, Kristen, um, uh, thank you so much for all the work that you do um, specific to our healthcare heroes here in uh, um, in Ontario, um, getting in front of, uh, you know, of folks that might be experiencing burnout. If we can do anything to um, mitigate uh you know, that uh, the departure, that kind of um, migration away from, let's say, the emergency room into, you know, doing Botox for people as a nurse, that's, um, that's fantastic. And um, Jessica, you, uh, you gave me my arm hair was standing straight up when you were talking about um, that um, experience that uh, your employee had. And so I think it's incredible that, um, you are the advocate that you are um, for all employees, but especially folks that belong to that community, um, because we know the statistics on that. We know that, you know, representation in the market force is, is not as uh, is a little bit lower for some folks. And it's because of stuff like this. So super cool. Thank you to both you, you guys. Um, and then I wanted to chime in on the RV question, and I'm going to follow oh. up with another question. <laughs> yes. As, as you, as, as Brendan knows, but as, 
you guys might not know, I'm from Toronto. And while I live in Niagara now in, in a normal sized house, I lived in a shoebox previously, as did my husband. And so what are your thoughts? Is there a square footage requirement? Like what if you're in a bachelor apartment or if you're in like 600, 500 square feet, 395 square feet, is the onus on the um, guest to maybe excuse themselves to the lobby bathroom, go downstairs to the Tim Hortons? Is it a square footage issue or is it something specific to um, this area having wheels? Like what is it? Because I, really I have a personal question. story about it and what I think is good manners. Okay. So it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it started as uh, repairs and cleaning. Repairs and cleaning have to be done by the owner. Okay. Those, you know, which when you have a normal plumbing system, like you do yeah. in a home, even if you're on well and septic, still, you know, has uh, a little more, uh, we'll call it luxury uh, when it comes to maintaining versus when you're in an RV, it's literally a holding tank. Okay. So. What if they offset that by bringing a really nice bottle of wine though? Like, is there an, is there a gift? Is there a housewarming gift? You could be like, listen, we're, we're having Mexican tonight. You know, like let's get in front of this. I know that this is going to be some time on the back end. No pun intended for you. Buy me a new RV. Oh, oh Wow. Yeah, I guess it just oh, comes down to the you attach to bowel movements, and apparently Trevor is very disgusted by it. We're just having do it, and we just established we're having a thing. It's natural. Okay. You damage it, just replace it. <laughs> Trevor, it's your it's your condo then, and you're living in 400 square feet. You have Brendan over, and he says, "I gotta, I gotta hop in here." Um, yeah. Is the polite thing to do to excuse yourself to the lobby bathroom? Does he run across the street to the Burger King? Like, if you're in a confined environment, is that something that you would consider? Because a fan's only so strong, right? Like, I mean, let's be honest. Confined. Shit pretty fine. You go home. Shit That's pretty. what Lysol is for. Lysol. Pure out. Lysol. <laughs> Trevor, Trevor would make him go home, I think. <laughs> in, in, oh, the, yeah. in that apartment, you've got normal plumbing. So have at it. Okay. Okay. Oh, All right. Wow. Mm -hmm. You put so, well, it unplugged. Maybe you buy well, a better this... RV, then it's got a better toilet in it, you know? Oh, so uh, it up, Melissa, burns it up and all that. Like spend some money. Hilarious. Get the moths out of the out of the wallet there, buddy. You know, and this is this is this, this these are this is uh, a true indication of the you know how how great these these women that come on our podcast are. They're they're willing to partake in our stupid <laughs> sense of humor. Hey, Patricia's supporting the mug too. Nice. She's supporting the the yes, professional yes. insight mug. Thanks very much for that. You got your too. Gift. I like that mug. That's nice. Um, but now, Patricia, uh, we, we um, what do you uh? So just tell everyone about your 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 career and your career path, um, obviously Great. originally from Toronto, worked for some pretty big recruiting companies, but um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, sure. So I, um, yeah, I had, I, I got a degree that I, I don't really use with, with any, um, uh, well, I don't use it all. Um, <laughs> but important to have, I suppose. Um, and <laughs> and I, uh, I, I worked for a developer for a little bit. Um, and then I, 
I worked for uh, a couple of pretty significant recruitment agencies. Uh, so just a bit of background on that. Um, these are companies that essentially are uh, an extension of uh, a company's HR department. So we would go and let's say for really uh, tricky searches or very niche type searches, go. Um, like headhunting? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then more recently, uh, I've transitioned into an in-house role. So I work for a tech company now, um, but prior to that, I worked for a pharma consultancy, um, specifically as a recruiter. So um, interviewing lots of people every day. What'd you do with the developer? Uh, very little. Like I was fresh out of school. Like I, like, I don't, I, to be honest, this was like 15 years ago. It was like, it started as an, as an admin job. And then I kind of sold some units and then I bopped around and, um yeah i don't know nothing <laughs> so so as a so as a uh yeah because jeff is always looking for uh um people for, for oh i was paperwork. no no like i wouldn't hire me now like i don't know how yes. i got this job <laughs> um but a lot of questions we get all the time for different industries and you being a recruiter you it's really good because you're you're bipartisan. So you've, you've interviewed for all sorts of sectors yeah. and industries. Um, I guess we can break it down to the social media landscape, the, the do's, the don'ts, the, what to watch out for, like the LinkedIn of the world. And then maybe yeah. like your Facebooks and Instagram and, and Twitter of the world, but then, and also CV and, you know, your traditional way of applying and, and flipping it into the, the proverbial, the, you know, black hole of a, a job application. So if you want yeah. to walk through that. But give us the good and the bad, the ugly. Oh, there's a lot of ugly out there right now on both sides, on candidate and um, uh, and hiring sides. Uh, it's, it is a little bit of the wild west right now. Um, you know, folks probably hear, um, you know, recruiters and companies bemoaning the fact that it is a very, um, yeah, it's a very, it's a kind of a crazy um, hiring landscape right now. Um, in terms of LinkedIn, in terms of everything, common sense is is key and key, and it's it's what you should really kind of focus on. So for LinkedIn, like make sure you got a nice picture of yourself, um, maybe not one from like 15 years ago. I am victim of this myself, I'm, and I this is the shoemaker with no shoes. My LinkedIn post um, photo is quite old, and when I actually when I met my um, uh, not my current boss, but my previous boss, she was like, "Oh, you're." Your hair is a little shorter. I was like, ooh, like so is my lifespan because that was from 15 years ago. Like I, I so updated. It's nice to know who people are talking. You know who they're talking to. Um, other thing is, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> make sure what is on there is proofread. Make sure that you don't have any spelling mistakes. I know this um, seems pretty intuitive. But um, for a lot of recruiters that are going to be reaching out to people directly, um, that's your first impression. You, you know, you've got your 20 seconds to be like, here's who I am. Here's what I do. Make sure that if you're in um, uh, if you're in kind of a niche industry, make sure that you include that verbiage, that lexicon that we would be looking for specifically um, and, and take the time, invest invest in building out your profile so it it holistically describes who like what you do in that in that company um and that's going to be very very helpful and i i can guarantee you you'll have recruiters um knocking on your door in your inbox if you invest that time 
Um, the other thing I would mention too, and I, I say this kind of selfishly or, or Machiavellian is I, I do reach out to people every day for, for roles. And a lot of the time, um, people will just ghost. They won't answer you. It takes two seconds to respond back, even if you're not interested. My thought process is, you know, why wouldn't you always take a call or take an email or ask for a job description? Um, because you never know, right? Um, I think it's always, it's just, it's pleasant to respond and say, hey, you know, I'm interested at this time. Um, take the job description, um, noodle it around. Think of, you know, if you have someone in your network that may be looking for a new role or maybe has been out of the job market, maybe they're on mat leave and they, you know, their their office is requiring them to go back into the office five days a week. And, and that's not really what they're, they're into. The idea of social media, the idea of LinkedIn um, is to network. Even if the job maybe isn't for you, share like share it. Put put some thought behind it. And say, oh, you know, I know Sally's, um, you know, recently lost her job or is looking for a change, or this might be, you know. So put your kind of your 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 thinking cap on and and put yourself um, in that capacity. And the recruiter will love you for always and ever. Um, life is long. You never know as well. You know, while things may be great now, maybe you are looking for a change in the future, and to have that kind of um, rapport, that initial connection, can be really helpful. Patricia, I've got a question for you. Um, I have a LinkedIn account, like like I think all the guys here do, and I hate yes. my LinkedIn account, okay? I just think it needs to be spruced up and all that. Um, would you recommend a copywriter is something you should use if you're trying to write your own material and you're just not a linguist and to try to make it look a little bit more rounded? Or do you think it should be something that's more reflective of your own skills? Um, I think... I think if you do it yourself, that's that's probably probably best. Um, I think that's probably the most authentic. Um, to you know, that being said, especially for folks that maybe have been outside of the labor market. Again, I'll use the mat leave example, or someone that's new to Canada, um, or maybe someone that's fresh out of school. Um, there are a variety of resources. They're all free for the most part. They're covered by the federal government, provincial government, um, where you can you know you can bring a copy of your resume in and say, hey, like I'm 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 looking at kind of maybe um, getting this to look a little bit better. I'm struggling. I'm experiencing this barrier to employment. Can you help me? Um, and so that's a service that's often offered for folks that that are maybe struggling to find a new role. Um, but if that's not the case, I would say um, absolutely try to kind of beef it out yourself and um, uh, because that will be authentic to yourself and will have an idea in terms of, you know, um, who you are and, and the way that, you know, the way uh, that you communicate, right? Um, as well as, you know, I think when you're looking at someone's job description, for example, you can typically highlight, okay, here's where this person places value. This is what they like to do. Um, so that also helps us, um, you know, when, uh, when sourcing and reaching out to, um, to candidates. Okay. What, um, I got a question for you. So, I mean, we have people interacting along the side, Melissa being one of them. And she's just, <laughs> is, is the, is LinkedIn becoming the, the, the new virtual CV? Like, is that going to be the lead going forward? Like, should people really start, I mean, if they haven't already, uh, really paying attention to something like that, or do you as a recruiter look at different things? And then I want to also piggyback that onto the don'ts, uh, for people, yeah just starting so um but go ahead yeah i think you know what it, again um if you are 
looking for a role, whether you're currently employed or, or not, um, having both is really, really important. So um, making sure that your resume is, um, you, you've sunk some thought into that to make sure it's not just word vomit um, and there's no chronology and, you know, God forbid, spelling mistakes, um, grammatical issues. So making sure that is tight, that's succinct, that you're being very clear about um, how you want to express yourself and, and why, you know, you'd be a fit for this position if you're applying directly to a role. So what's important is to really kind of, yeah, I would say identify those points of transferability um, that you would have to a job description. Um, for those that are perhaps more passive in the market, um, having uh, a LinkedIn is very, very important, again, because um, with a lot of people working from home, headhunting has changed. 10, 15 years ago, um, everyone was in the office. And so if a recruiter wanted to reach out to somebody, they would just look up, you know, they'd dial for dollars, they'd look up the company, they'd find your extension, or they'd, you know, talk to, you know, find you, and then they'd call you and present the opportunity. Um, those phone numbers uh, and those emails aren't necessarily accessible right now. Folks are working from home a lot of the time. So having your LinkedIn out there, having your socials out there um, with that level of accessibility is really, really important. Um, so I know it's a pain in the neck. Um, it's, it's hard to kind of talk about yourself and really kind of quantify necessarily what you've, what you've done or what you're doing in your current role, but take the time, invest in it, um, be thoughtful in terms of how you lay it out, um, and how you want Tell to present yourself, right? to the world. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the other kind of tip I would mention as well is that, um, you know, let's say because often roles change um, and they evolve over time, um, include that, you know, do that six month or even yearly check-in on your LinkedIn. If you've been in a job for a year, just say, wow, like this, how I've described this position or how I've described my, my position in the company has changed. Maybe it's not just in title, but it's in responsibilities. It's in areas of interest. So make sure you, you include um, those as well. Um, both just from a net working perspective, but also so recruiters, when we're doing our keyword searches, when we're, um, you know, running a men, running a, um, a mile a minute, we can find you easier and, and better kind of titrate our, um, our search and our questions to you. Um, and in terms of the other socials, that's really up to you. Um, there are companies now, a lot of third-party um, reference and background check companies that in addition to running professional references and your, you know, your Canadian criminal record, they'll offer um, as a service to run your socials as well. So they'll say, okay, here's your given name, and then they'll go through your Twitter and make sure there's nothing, you know, egregious, making sure that there's nothing, um, you know, offensive that, especially if you're in a client facing type of roles, whether it's a salesperson or a marketing person, that there isn't something nasty um, that you've written or, or shared um, uh, in, the, in, the, in the past. Um, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know how much that's going to catch on, but it's uh, especially if you're in a client facing role, it's a it's a Google away. Right. So be very cognizant, be aware. Um, you know, we've all said and done things that are a little silly. I'm again, I'm very, very glad that cell phone cameras weren't as great as they were back in my uh, university and high school days. We would not be employed at the moment if we were. Um, but you know what? Do a sweep, right? Especially if you're applying for roles. Um, and this can be, you know, it can even be political involvement, right? Like it's just um, you want to come across. Uh, 
as professional as possible. So go through, clean up your um, your socials if there's anything on there that you think might be problematic. Um, and, uh, and and yeah, I would say kind of limit any any kind of um, excessive social posting. I've got a question for you. Um, do you find now that things have shifted in a lot of uh, markets to a more employee-driven market, uh, meaning that the employees are able to be a little bit more choosy about their employers? And I, I don't know if that ties into this millennial generation and how it's been dealing with the millennials. Um, so the great question, to be honest, it's really industry specific. So are you a nurse with IB initiation skills? Um, are you a Java developer? Then, then absolutely you, you can write your own ticket in this economy, but there are other industries that, you know, there's always going to be winners and losers, um, especially in, in, um, you know, recessions or pandemics or all the other craziness that we're, you know, we've been looking on the barrel of recently. Um, and so that's not necessarily the, the case for some of the other industries or these other roles. Um, but definitely if you're, again, like, for example, um, in my in my previous company, I worked in, uh, for um, a healthcare consultancy and they hired a lot of nurses and it's very, very difficult to find the types of nurses that we were looking for with the specific skill set. So um, I would routinely be catching these folks in between shifts. There was a lady who was like, hey, can you hold on? Um, and then I heard her order a McDonald's meal, um, <laughs> which is, you know, right? Um, but supply and demand. And she had the skills that we needed. Um, she's a shift worker, health go healthcare hero, all the rest of it. So you, you can, you know, it really was... Um, a, a candidate market. So I'm going to be like, okay, not what I would do, not what I would expect for necessarily another role, but um, we're lucky to have her. And she's a great, great nurse. She's awesome. Um, and similarly, if you're a Java developer, um, yeah, you know what? You write your ticket. Yeah, I, yeah that's it. You're, you're good. You could, um, well, we'd look, <laughs> we would certainly look the other way. Often. Yeah. Uh, so I I, do, I think I draw the line uh, with a toilet flush if I was interviewing somebody. But other than that, if you're in a highly in a demanded position or you hold these skills, we're going to be pretty flexible. In an RV or no? Oh, good. No, well, no. is there? They don't flush. They don't flush. <laughs> yeah, yes, if it's do. their RV, then uh, then it should be fine. But if they're if they're a guest and they've been explicitly told not to, then yeah. no. So yeah, that, are there any uh, are there any um, trends that you're currently seeing uh, in the in the labor market right now that is that are shifting that you know you can kind of see the mark because you've been doing this for you know almost two decades so it, it's kind of like where's like oh this is an interesting trend or you know behavioral questions versus you know if you were a tree what kind of tree would you be you know that oh, those types God. of crap questions yeah. we used to get. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, there's a bunch of those. Um, and they're, they're all pretty ridiculous. We, we are seeing, um, like many things, there's fads that kind of come and go, um, psychometric testing. So aptitude tests, kind of personality tests, um, have kind of waxed and waned in terms of their, their use within the industry. Um, I think video interviewing, especially with the pandemic is something we've seen more of, um, which is also kind of, you know, and something I would recommend to people, which is 
um, like right now I'm talking to myself on the video, super weird. I like, I'm realizing that like my hair is a rat nest. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's weird, right? It's different. Um, I, I'm definitely an older millennial. So it's, it's very, it, it took some time to get used to that. So if you are interviewing um, and you're coming out of a place where you did go into the office or you haven't been using Zoom or, or, you know, Teams, um, practice it. I know it sounds a little cheesy, but um, get a friend and mean like, hey, can, can we, um, can we run through a bit of a mock interview? Here are some questions that I found online specific to what kind of generically the position I'm, I'm, I'm applying for would include. Can you run me through? Can you make sure I'm not doing anything weird with my hands or my face or like making sure my my audio works? Um, my video is clear. Um, these are all kind of things that you should be aware of um, because it is how a lot of people are, are, are going forward. Um, the one-way video interviewing too is really catching on as a as a trend, um, so that of course would be pre-recorded questions, and then um, applicants um, would would then say you know they'd had the opportunity to answer questions. It's interesting as a um, as a platform idea because often people will get opportunities to re-record. So the question might be, "What is your greatest strength?" And then you'll have three tries to on video respond to that. Um, and then those video snippets will then be shared with um, the recruiter or the hiring manager. Say, hey, here's, you know, even before you get to um, you get to see the resume or see the profile notes, you get to you get to learn a little bit about them. You get to um, understand their communication styles. Um, and we're seeing more of that. So then you, you it's fair to say that that's probably not going to go anywhere. Um, that no. um, interesting. Yeah. What are these? So I remember one time, so, um, I was living in Australia for a period of about three years and, um, I remember interviewing, what's that? Can you give us our best accent? Oh yeah. Yeah. Good day, mate. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, I mean, I didn't really, that's really bad. It's been 15 years. Shrimp on the Bobby. Yeah. Some shrimp on the Bobby. That's not, Um, that's a knife. No. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so for three years, and I was interviewing to come back home. This is in 2008. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember it was just like the only way to do it was from like, I forget what the program or the platform was that we were using at the time that the job mm-hmm. was in California. And I just found it so weird because to do that, you know, mm-hmm. online, but then the, the, the interviewer's camera didn't work. So here I am talking exactly like I'm doing right now, but, and then yeah. blank screen. So this person could see me, but I couldn't see them, which I just felt, is, are, are you finding that to be like, are those some do's and don'ts or, um, yeah, I, that, oh, that would bother me so much. I really, at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to, um, it comes down to etiquette being polite, being, you know, as a recruiter, making sure that folks feel um, comfortable speaking with you, right? Because that's going to prompt um, and promote the most useful conversations. Um, it It is a curious, like, again, I'm older. I'm not, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I don't live stream. I don't like it's, it is a way that we're going to have to get comfortable with because this is how the world is, um, the world is interviewing, the world is connecting these days. Um but absolutely. You know what? If you've got a video interview, then be prepared. Um, you know, uh, 
don't you have to wear pants, wear a nice shirt, you know, comb your hair, <laughs> have a nice background. I will share a story. This happened to me over Christmas break. And we're all like, you know, obviously the, the, the kids are home. I was interviewing somebody and I have a three-year-old. Um, great guy, not super into pants. And I was on a video call with somebody. Um, and while he was wearing a Paw Patrol robe, when I left him to go do this video call, the robe was then open and then he <laughs> come say hello. And so there was a bit of a, and, but these things happen, right? So again, like kind of, or, you know, the dog barks at the Amazon delivery guy. Like these are, these are things that you can do everything uh, to kind of control your, your, your situation, make sure you're presentable, make sure you've got, you know, um, no lipstick on your teeth or mustard on your shirt when you're video interviewing. But um, again, being compassionate, leaning into what Jessica said too, right? Like be kind, um, do your best to kind of make the other person feel comfortable, um, be open. Um, and, and just, you know, if something like that happens, like have a laugh, we're all, we're all human, right? Um, we all do what Brendan wants to do in the RV. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say the person you were interviewing didn't have pants. <laughs> yeah, that's um, what I fished. <laughs> no, it was my little guy who was uh, on Christmas break. And, but I, I had to do a couple interviews. And so I was like, here, watch some Paw Patrol hangout. Um, <laughs> and then he came and it was, yeah. <laughs> and the guy was super cool. He was super cool about it. He yeah. like, it's, it's, I didn't realize Emma was behind me. And then I, I see this guy's eyes get huge. And he was like, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, is there a, besides that, I mean, when we can, are, are, have there been some, uh, interviews that you've done maybe over the pandemic or maybe in person, how about like where you're just like, oh, that's just a, like, what? don't do that. Like, why did you do that? Like, that was kind of like the anything that of that nature that pops into your mind, obviously, you know, keep it as confidential as possible. But I mean, like that where you're like, picking well, your nose. we all work with people. Kristen works with people. We know that people are insane sometimes. Mm. And the pandemic has, if anything, it's it's taken the veil off right like we're in our own home where we are we're walking around in our underwear kind of picking our nose and then to kind of re-engage in a video set, uh, setting um you can kind of forget your manners sometimes so oh yeah i've been put on hold um again the mcdonald's drive through was a real winner um yeah it's it's funny um and there does seem to be a difference in terms of whether the candidate is an applicant or whether we've reached out directly there's um not always, but uh, there there can be kind of a, a sense of like, well, you called me, like uh, I am gonna have eat this sandwich in front of you. Um, you know, uh, I did have someone eat on a video call, which was very curious, um, which was great. So, you know, lots of crumbs and it wasn't like something nice. It was like a pastry. So there was shrapnel. Um, <laughs> yeah, like again, just use your common sense. Like, um, huh. When you're interviewing, pretend that it's like a kind of a stuffy old aunt you haven't seen in a while. Like, have your manners, look nice, um, and be prepared. Research the company. Research the recruiter. We all have our LinkedIn. Um, see if there's any kind of, um, you know, points of, you know, connectivity within your within your network. Um, maybe you guys went to the same university. Um, you know, maybe, you, you know, it's 
it's always great to kind of build that rapport. Um, and a good way going into any conversation is armed with information. Um, one of the questions I always ask people right off the hop is kind of like, what do you know about us? Like, kind of describe how you would, um, you know, uh, how you understand our place in market. And you'd be surprised the number of people that are like, oh, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know. And then they always try to be all like savvy and being like, well, I was really hoping you could tell me about it. Um, no one, no, we get that you, like, it's a Google, right? Like, go on, take two seconds to look it up, uh, come in prepared. It shows buy-in, it shows interest. Um, and that's going to put a smile on the recruiter's face. Um, I, I have a personal, uh, just that will segue into the, 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 I guess the, cause I, I know I'm, you're, you're tight on time as well. So I want to make sure that I'm, I'm cognizant of your time, but, um, so here's the situation, uh, a, a recruiter reached out, which in, in, you know, in via LinkedIn to set up a, you know, I, I took your, you know, your, I did your, your advice, yeah. which is, Hey, take the, take the phone call, take, take the phone call. call. Um, the salary range wasn't posted at the time, uh, on this job posting. And I want to know your opinion about that, uh, later, but then, so then I turned around and I was happily employed, uh, very happily employed. I didn't, you know, I, my LinkedIn didn't say, you know, actively looking for work or anything like that. Like yeah. that. And so during the interview or the, the, the preamble of the, with the recruiter before yeah. we went to the official, I just said, Hey, so what, what are the. What's the salary range? What, 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 what can one, someone, and they just, they turned to me and said, well, we're not at that stage yet. Uh, we, you know, we're seeing if you're, you know, a fit to move on to the next stage. And I responded by saying, but you reached out to me to see if I'm interested to go to the next stage. And in, 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 in essence, I don't want to waste anyone's time because if you're going to pay me, you know, like 18 bucks an hour, then like, I have zero interest where, you know, so what are your thoughts on that on a posting salary ranges and B, if that is not posted for whatever reason, um, asking that in the, in, in, in the interview. So, you know what, right. I, I think about this all the time and I go back and forth. Um, and the reality is different companies are at different stages of even having process. So for example, I've worked for a large company is that uh, there's thousands, thousands of employees. Every single job is graded and there's a salary ban and you can't go a dollar under, you can't get a dollar over. Um, it's very, um, very, very cut and dry. So um, that's something that they absolutely could post. Um, but then you have a lot of, let's say, um, mid small to mid-sized organizations maybe they are a startup and they don't have the hr infrastructure in place right now they have they've got a budget of course they have an idea as to what they look to pay for this role but um again specific to tech talent um and because it is so kind of difficult to come across maybe they may have a lot more flexibility right like it's not they don't have a comp team that's gone through and necessarily graded all the jobs and it's super hard and fast and the approval process to to go outside of this budget um is, is cumbersome it could be as quick as being like wow you know what like maybe we didn't consider a candidate so senior um but that would work really well on the team so it, it does it cuts both ways i you know i i think that what you can do is if the recruiter is being a little wishy-washy um, know that it's, uh, it's probably not them. It's probably the hiring manager is still in the, trying to figure out what the role is even going to look like. Um, if you, if, if you feel so inclined, say kind of, Hey, get your ducks in a line and then kind of come back to me, or you can just straight up 
come back with a, well, here's the number I would be looking at to make the move. Like, let me know. Um, and at that point, that might be a conversation. They go back to the hiring manager and say, hey, I found this guy. He's really great. He's got X, Y, and Z. Here's, here's the comp range that we'd be looking at. Um, and then it's a quick conversation. Um, and, and you're not, you know, wasting anybody's time. No, that's perfect. I appreciate uh, you giving the honest answer. And, you know, I never even actually thought that it's probably not the recruiter. It's probably the hiring manager that hasn't really figured out the parameters of the the, the job description or or of, of what they're actually going to be doing. So yeah, that's actually some I mean, interesting insight. That's at the end of the day, it is on the recruiter for probably not doing a, a, a really uh, deep um, intake call with the hiring manager, it should be something that's pretty standard. But again, if you're working for a smaller company, a startup, like they, you know, they might not have that in place. Um, and so they're kind of reaching out, they're testing the waters. The other thing too, is if they are a smaller or, or, or even mid-sized company, they wouldn't necessarily have the resources that a larger company comp team would have, right? So they they don't necessarily have salary bands. This may be the first time they're hiring for this role. And so they're gonna be like, well, well shit, what, what is the market telling us, right? Yep. Um, you know, they, they don't know. The hiring manager might not have hired for this position in, in two years. In 2018, um, salary ranges are a lot different than what 2022 looks like. So I, I don't think, you know, there's anything offside about saying, uh, cool, I'd love to learn a little bit more, kind of send me a job description, and here's what I'm looking for to make a move. Well, that's, yeah, no, and, and I, I, that, we appreciate the, the, um, well, I almost did a little, uh, self-promotion there, professional insight, uh, yeah. uh into, into how it all works, but One in the comment, essence of, can ahead, I make a quick comment or just statement yeah. about it? A couple of like my wife's company is one of the world's largest engineering firms, um, mm -hmm. wood, uh, is the name of the company. And she asked HR for a band of what does her job pay? they won't even give that to an active employee, let alone a recruiter. And that's not leaving a good taste in the mouth of the employees. That's gross. You know what, if, and I say that, I say that because um, if your policy is good, if you're doing everything above board, you should be able to shout it from the rooftops, right? I agree with that. Um, that would have like internal pay equity alarm bells kind of going off in my brain if I heard Totally. That. That's where immediately where my brain went. Um, Absolutely. I don't yeah, I think transparency is a it's really, really important, right? Um very curious. And again, if it's such a great policy, if you guys have things nailed down, then grade them and share the grades. The grades won't necessarily make sense to an external candidate, but internally you should know, oh, this is a grade seven. I know roughly kind of what that looks like. Um, the other thing too, well, we, for another podcast on another day, but just in terms of, you know, a lot of these graded jobs, if you're an internal candidate, they're actually maxed at what, if they do take a promotion, if they take the next grade up. Yes, I've heard that. Like. Yep. And then you have to go and fight tooth and nail for an, you know, a market adjustment at the end. Um, so. Well, so that's actually. The recruiter to get, that, answer that, email. that would <laughs> actually be a really good good topic for another podcast uh because that's something that like how do you negotiate an interview and how actually oh my god how as 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 okay yeah like how to negotiate a raise and in an interview and all that kind of stuff and and because i i work for a corporation where 
max uh, raise in a year can be only 20% of the of what you were on, and yet you'd be going for a promotion, and that wouldn't even knock you into the next band level because of just how it all worked out. So here you are doing the promotion job, but not even in the right band level or on the very low end. But uh, I, I am very cognizant, though, of your day and of your time, and thank you so much uh, for 45 minutes has flown by. Um, yeah. And so to anyone that has more questions about Patricia, we are going to have her on the podcast again. And so info at professionalinsight.ca. And to uh, everyone that's listening and um, uh, sharing and carrying these, these, these links and sites, we really appreciate it. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube. We'll wrap it up because we, you know, we're, we're, we got to get back to it. And so does Patricia. We got to get but, to the um, RV. We got to get to the RV. Yeah, so, no. Melissa, send me a LinkedIn request. Beautiful. What, what's your last name, Patricia? So we can. <laughs> it's uh, it's brick. Brett. Brick. Brick. Like uh, oh, a brick in like the wall. Brick. Yeah. brick house. Yeah. Um, right Floyd reference. So. Perfect. Another well, thanks very much. Uh, hey, thanks to to Chris Rook and to Matt Cundell for uh, doing the show behind the scenes. Without you guys, we would not be anywhere. Rookie, you're you're amazing. Um, yeah, you just get us out of a lot of jams. So thank you. Uh, please like, share, care, and subscribe. Bondo, take us out. Help us. Help you. Stay informed. Thanks, Ciao. everybody. Out. Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Cundell from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. 
Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.